All right, we're recording. We can't say we're live yet because I can't do a live stream yet. Can't but, do live but stream. We're working on it. Well, I feel like this was oversold to me then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, but I think I've, um, I'm I'm trying to find some software to do it. The broadcasting equipment, dude. Some of it's as expensive as three thousand dollars. And it, I just told you my budget's a hundred dollars a month. Right. It's so a l- little bit. Uh, I was. I didn't. I didn't go into math a lot. Uh, yes. But it does hmm. seem different. Um, yes. But I just. What's uh, the difference? What you know? What could be the possible difference between recording something and then putting it to to just broadcasting? Well, okay. So online. here's here's the thing. That's uh, the goal. I don't want to have to edit after the fact. Sure. Like, if we get up and go to the bathroom, it's fine. The cutting in, like I started the camera feed earlier, but like when we put our headphones on and I see myself go on the on the Mac here for now or, right. or when I click on the recorder there when I hook it up, um, that's a minimal amount of editing. Sure. Then I kind of bring the color up a little bit if I need to, add our logo down at the bottom. Right. But that's like it's adding a the logo. It, yeah, it's not even Tops. that. It's maybe five yeah. minutes. Uh, right. it, but even put my logo, it's a picture inside the video. Mm-hmm. So what I want to be able to happen is to have pictures inside my video for the YouTube audience um, while I'm doing it on my computer. Hmm. And that that's um, <clears throat> that's one of the reasons I, ha- I got this thing is so I can get, um, like right now I'm recording the audio into my computer. So I want to pull some strain off my computer until I get a computer for the podcast and uh, dump it into this thing. Mm-hmm. So, and like I said, this allows me to be able to record at my office, at the gym, or the sure. coffee shop, the coffee cast. The it's coffee coming. Cast. We're going to do a series. It's going to be called the coffee cast. Yeah. You could be the co-host. Uh, I mean, if I mean, do you have to like coffee in order to do the coffee cast? I mean, you don't have to. You. It's my largest weakness. You could get. You could get hot cocoa. Uh, there's always like if I go with large groups of people, everybody there's like a bunch of people get coffee and then uh-huh. this person gets cocoa. I love this because I also do not enjoy chocolate on a on a large scale. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> right. I've alienated myself in just about every. No way caffeine, possible. no chocolate, huh? No, 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 no coffee, no chocolate. I love caffeine. I'll drink Dr Pepper until I make myself sick. It's unfortunate. Yeah. But yeah. Well, cool. Yep. <clears throat> well, uh, so. I'll give you a little introduction. I mean, it's going to say your name Excellent. next to It's going to say Life Unraveled 15, Ryan Peden. So everybody will know what your name is. But um, uh, Ryan Peden here on the podcast, Life Unraveled number 15, as we just said. And uh, we're going to be chatting it up. I got some things I'm going to ask you about just because you're a, uh, a learned, journeyed man. Oh, so um, I just wanted to say learned. Sure. Yeah. Learned. No, learned. 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 Yeah. I like words like that that have the ed on the end. Yeah, I've been, been all noticing past them. Tense. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but uh, you've, uh, you, you and I, we went to, uh, I, didn't, I didn't start going to school until eighth grade um, at the time in which I was uh, probably. Really? Yeah, dude. I was a social okay. retard back then. You can, you can say social retard, right? It's just retard, Hon- retard. Honestly, I think we should reclaim the word retard. That's what Joe Rogan said. I he mean, was like, "We, you know, they, they, this is why we need the word retard. Yeah. Somebody's heckling him. He's like, for people like you. <laughs> and he goes off into but, this whole side thing, and then they throw the dude out. It was so funny. It's going around on Facebook and stuff right now. Man. Yeah, yeah. So, But uh, so you, um, you and I kind of grew up together, really. Um, went to high school together, graduated high school together, went to junior high together. Um, I think I knew you before I went to school. 
um, like through like like we'd gone to church together, like maybe uh, met through uh, Mark Freeman or something. I mean, well, I'm well, there's no telling. There's I just, believe that was pre junior high though. Well, I mean, oh, man, I I honestly have so few memories before I was eight, and then even then. It doesn't really I have this memory of, of me picking you up in my brown van before school. Brown van. Before Maybe school? CJ, too. I don't no, know why. It, it had to have been for some reason. I feel like I remember a brown van. Yeah, the, the, brown CMC, van the GMC Safari with the gold rims. <laughs> 1989. Was that? Uh, that's not when you were driving it, obviously. Um, when was That That was before that was, the that Green we Dragon, been, right? Like, that was after the Green Dragon. That was after no, wait. the Green No. Wait. I don't remember. Yeah, no, yours. that was my first truck, okay. right? So that was like tenth grade. Uh, yeah, man, I forgot about the Green Dragon. Then, go. then my uncle you like how gave I pulled out me the, name and the Safari. The yeah, nickname and everything. Uh, it was brown. It was brown. Turd brown. I, okay, I remember the van. Yeah. Yeah. About I the mean, same color as my dog in there. Sure. Yeah. Maybe a little lighter. Uh, probably just as large. When he's really been eating that expensive food. Uh, it's funny he won't he's been pretentious about the expensive like the blue buffalo food and now he wants to eat like the the lower brand he's been like not oh, eating his I food till he just gets like so hungry that the treats he's been living off of all day <laughs> aren't are no <laughs> longer enough for his hundred pound body right. 10 months old yeah he is large you about knocked me over oh dude he did knock someone over the other night i felt super bad we did a fight companion podcast and um Hannah, uh, it's like one of my guys in the gym, Josh, he teaches a, a, a class on Saturdays and, um, he comes over and does my MMA show a lot, like every time, but one, <laughs> and we've done like seven, I think. So he's pretty much like a regular, regular guest. Um, and he, uh, he, they came over to do a fight companion. So we did a four person like UFC fight companion and, uh, yeah, he knocked her straight over. So she came in the door. He's loves everybody, dude. Just equally. Yeah. Maybe. There was somebody that just randomly came over and, like, didn't arrive in a car, and he didn't like that person. He was like, what you doing walking up here? Yeah, this has never happened before. I'm not okay with this. I mean, that's that's got to be a good sign in a dog, though. Yeah. Surely. I think he'll be a de decent guard dog. I mean, he's only 10 months old. Yeah. Still a child. Even, even his form of love, though, is surely guard dog-esque. Yeah. Um, so... Well, I know we just uh, we talked a little bit recently, uh, but uh, right. I didn't see a whole lot recently uh, because you were first. You went on uh, a National Lampoon's European vacation. <laughs> recently is has now officially been stretched about as far as you can go. I think. Yeah. Well, you know, um, we've uh, we talked on the phone a couple of times, yeah. and then we, went, we did the escape room the other night. Sure, yeah. uh, and I know you. Uh, how long have you been back in town? Uh, back in Clarksville? Yeah. Uh, like se September of 2016, so yeah. about a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. You've, have you gone back to California a couple of times? Uh, yeah, back in June. I actually went out, uh, road tripped out there with Lupe. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, what was that like? Well, uh, I'm not sure if all the details are, are podcast safe. Yeah. But <laughs> was it fear and loathing style? They all were just like. Well, okay, so it's like me, Lupe, uh, Daniel, Frias, and, and little Danny. Oh wow! In a car, and uh, I does Lupe still drive like this? Yeah, absolutely. Why? Why wouldn't he? I don't. Understand. <laughs> I don't know. Like, okay, so <laughs> side side um, one moment. Uh, like when I went to get my driver's license, like my mom's like, you have to take the written test. I'm like, fine, I'll go take the. And I passed the written test, right? And I'm like, okay, mom, can I, 
just finish this up and take the drive. No, you need more practice. Mom, you've been hassling me for six months to get my driver's license. Just let me finish it. No, you need more driving practice. You need more. And, you know, it was like that, that tension between her wanting me to take responsibility, but her not ready for me to have responsibility. And so I'm, one day I've just had enough. I'm like two weeks out from being 18. And I'm like, hey, Lupe, take me to go. Can I use your car to go take the driver's license test, uh, the driving test? And so we go and I get in his, you know, in his driver's seat and the lady gets in to the passenger seat and she's like, oh, I bet you he said that you, you can't, you know, change up his seat at all. Well, his seat was broken. Like I couldn't adjust it at all. So the seat is like three feet behind me. I'm on the very edge of it. trying Like to police take Academy my- style. Yeah. Have you yeah. seen that? Remember where the long like dude like yeah. just like pulls the seat out so he can drive it? Exactly. But yeah, I'm basically on the floor, you know, just on the very edge of the seat trying to take the trying to take the driving That's portion funny. of my test. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, his seat is still I try and motivate our uh, teens at the gym to do their driver's test as well. Yeah. Just because it helps. Like, for example, like one of my boxers just just got his driver's license and, like, like went from, like, he was, like, playing on dropping out of school at one point and, like, had no ambition. He started boxing and, I like, I'm always kind of, um, you know, trying to motivate people while I'm doing class and, he he just kept showing up and like 18 months in he went from like 235 pounds 170 pounds went from like a d and f student to an a b student yeah crazy and stability and discipline yeah in your life. i know <laughs> it, it is but um he finally you know like, and he got his went through and like he he pa- uh, failed his written test a few times and then he failed his, his driven part <laughs> one time too he like didn't do two things had to go back and take it again and um, then, then, so he passed it, got his driver's license, and now he's got a truck, and now he can drive to train with me whenever he wants. Oh, yeah. So it's just like, it was good for him, you know. He's gonna, he's got different plans. Uh, I don't know what he's gonna do 100%, but now at least he has the freedom to right. to do more things, or the mobility. Uh, sometimes I was just simpler, and I could just live, at, you know, right next to the gym and not have to drive around a whole lot. Sure. That'd be good. I only live like ten miles away, though. Yeah, it's not too bad. It, well, I mean, ten minutes. It's actually only like three shortcut, miles away. Let's shortcut the the tangent about you know the necessary wealth to live a normal life in America, and we'll save it for another time. <coughs> yeah, yep. no, it um, you know, things have things have been good for me. Uh, because I mean, Discord and I, we have a, a great dynamic, and we both have like been. Uh, particularly me, it's like I've been hustling towards the same thing for a long time. And some people, I've talked about this on the podcast before, never have a thing to hustle towards. Yeah. Like, they don't ever find what that they want to hustle towards. Do you? I'm, I'm sitting over here. I don't know if anyone's... Yeah, like, I'm sitting over here. I, I It's just... Um, the There's this huge cognitive distance between, like, 8th grade Brian and Ryan and, like, now Brian and Ryan. Brian Wilson has become something that just... Eighth grade Brian Wilson looks nothing like. Yeah. I mean, you got a lot of personality, the same, the exact same, and longer hair. You but too, you've done some friend. amazing stuff with your life. Um, just well, thank you. Really successful, and that has no- nothing to do with anything other than just hard work and discipline. And like, out of a lot of the people that we, gr- everyone that we graduated with, like, there's only a handful of people that I'm like, that person did something with life, and I'm I'm proud of them. And you're one of them. Well, thanks, you know. dude. Well, well, well yeah, too. Like uh, you've you've done some amazing stuff too. That's why I wanted to bring you out, just because I, I never got to sit down and talk to you about the right. the Europe trip. Or I feel like all the cool things that I've gotten to do have been kind of like, well, I don't have anything right now, and so 
you know, like you, you have all these things that's like, ah, it'd be really cool to go do this, or I'd love to go see and do this. You did that. I did it because I didn't have anything else going. I was like, well, there's, I have no excuse not to go do these things, and if I have to spend the rest of my life in a dead-end job somewhere, I'd rather have on the front end done these things, and so I did. No, uh, well, and I mean, uh, like, uh, you know, somebody else I was complimenting for just kind of following their own path that was on the podcast is Josh Wilson. Oh, yeah. And um takes a lot of courage to do things like that, too, because I was like, Josh, I remember being in junior high, and he quit, like, everything to pursue music and theater. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he was a, he was a heck of an athlete. Yeah. I mean, he was, dude. That's what I first knew him as is Josh, the baseball, basketball, football star. Yeah. And, um, I I mean, and he went on and to follow these other passions. And I mean, I think that he was probably way happier. And I think that, you know, uh, it's like self-discovery or like, uh, is it, it takes a long time. Like I really did not have any of my shit together until I was like 23 to 25 years old. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. I mean, really <laughs> like 20, <laughs> 20, 23, it started getting better. And then like when I went back, when I went back to school, right after you did your whole car, car salesman phase, I feel like things started to fall together for you. Yeah. 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 So I started getting it together. And then I just like was like, well, I'm just going to chase. I'm just going to get my education. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so and we both went to uh, You worked. You, so you, after you graduated and went to Europe, how I knew what what you were doing and stuff was just following you on Facebook. But like Dr. Tarver was always report, <laughs> like telling me what was going on and stuff. Right. Um, and I would ask. But I, you worked for the dean uh, dean's office when I worked for the history department right. when we were going to, uh, to tech. And... Um, but uh, no, I mean, and you went to so you went to graduate school pretty much, right? Would you call that? Did you was that a graduate? Yeah, so program? I, ha- I have a I have a master's. It's technically a seminary, but I think they would. I mean, yeah, in in the whole categorization, it is a seminary, but it's also a graduate school. So yeah, you know, um, I wonder are you, are you like are you eligible to teach like a religious studies? We we're talking about adjuncting. The I don't other see day. I don't see why not. Yeah, I definitely have more than eighteen. Well, I bet, you know, um, I definitely have a master's in theology. You know so. what you could look into, and what I I believe um, Walton told me they were looking for is, um, and they offer on their course catalog is philosophy. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how that would. You have to have eighteen hours in the field, right? It it post uh, post graduate or post undergrad, right? So I I wonder just how they would categorize something like my theology courses or something like that. Worth looking into. I think so. Like if Dude, you need to do something like that, in my opinion. I think I could totally see you, like, standing up in front of people, telling okay, them about so real, Tut Mosey and yeah. <laughs> freaking... Real, real talk uh, about, and this is just my timeline all out of order. It's totally unraveled. Um, uh, what, three years ago now? I don't know. Right when I took off to California, between... Between getting back from Europe and California, there was a relationship that started and a relationship that I wanted to, like, get married. And, like, when that rock, like, that stone fell into place with, like, okay, like, this is the person I want to get married to, I was actually able to move forward from there. It was almost like the hierarchy of needs where you get to move on to the next level of, like, what you want to do once you've secured one zone, you know? And so when I had figured out like okay this is the relationship i want to invest in for the rest of my life i started to think well like i could i could public teach and work in a church doing like missions coordination and and outreach stuff and that's those are the two things i wanted to do 
And I found that when that relationship ended drastically uh, in 2014, I ran out of energy for the teaching. I, I, could, I could no longer see myself waking up every morning. I could do it for a week. I could do it for three months. That's what's so good Like about, I mean, it's not going to be this way if I start doing full-time, which I may. It's only 30 hours a week or right. less if I do it full-time. I have to do 15 office hours, and then um, I'll have to teach like five or six classes. And But like I'm going to have some demands. I yeah. have to interview for the position, but I'm going to be like, they, they actually they are losing a full-time person. Oh, so yeah. um to retirement or yeah okay. but then also some other people um i've heard are disgruntled with their course load and stuff so they're going to need me there to teach classes and i'm more than willing to do it and i want to do it um but uh it's like you know like right now it's nice adjuncting because it's a side gig mm -hmm. i come and go as i please That's right. I'm, all, I'm all i don't have to have office hours so like i also might um uh, it would work better for me if I was just like, if they allowed me to be part-time but teach like four courses mm -hmm. and like one of them be online. I would be willing and open to do that. But the gym's going to be my first uh, in teaching right. adults. So I, um, when I start doing that more, I'm going to scale down teaching kids as much, which I already have just to kind of plan for the the transition. But Cora's going to run the kids. I'm going to run the adults. And well, this this past year when I, when I sent an email to uh, – Tech, you know. Tech, dude, tech won't even hire me. Dude. It's crazy. Well, I mean, yeah, I get that a little bit because your master's is from tech, and I know a lot of people are like, well, you d we don't want to hire in-house. It kind of stagnates the pool yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but it does seem like they're getting a lot of applications from people who are just overqualified for the positions, and that's probably killing the whole, yeah. the whole process a little bit. But I thought, well, like I just, you know, if I could pick up a online class or two, I I wouldn't have It'd to. It'd be awesome. Anything, yeah, you know? uh, and I thought that's what they would give me. Right. But that, but uh, it ended up being um, a face to face, which I was actually more excited to do for some reason. Yeah. Um, I just like uh, an online class would be great. Like let's say like right now I'm doing Western Civ two, mm -hmm. so it would be what years to what years? Uh, Fifteen hundred to present. So it would be nice. I started at like twelve hundred though. Sure. I started yeah. off with the Mongols, dude. You Screw have it. To yeah. Well, I mean, that was actually how the book went. And the book gave like six pages to like the like the whole Mongol, um yeah. the Mongol piece, Pax Mongolica and stuff. And I was like, Screw it. I'm listening to Dan's Car Dan Carwin's entire podcast again on Wrath of the Mongols. I'm gonna take notes. I'm gonna take this stuff from the book. I'm gonna read over here. I'm gonna you know, and then I got put together like this three day lecture on the now Mongols. You're three weeks into now I'm three <laughs> now I'm three weeks behind. Um but now, you know, I probably um will have to skirt over some stuff. Like I'm gonna hit the French Revolution and Enlightenment real hard you um after this coming test. Like right now, dude, guess we're on Louis the Fourteenth, bro, and I'm just losing it. I'm losing it. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, oh, man, so we got to go through, and I'm still, dude, I'm still insanely jealous of you getting to take Professor Krieger for History of England and History of Greece and Rome, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I didn't get to take him for those, man. Man, those are, like, great summer <sighs> seminars. You know, I'm going to, I've got to sort through I've it. I've got my I'm notes gonna... somewhere. Like, I have not thrown away anything. Yeah, yeah. well, I do, yeah. too. I have a whole box in here in that yeah. other, in the dog's room. Um, but what I'm going to do also, if you remember, I recorded yeah. most all of Krieger and Charlie Bush's lectures. Yeah. So, uh, at some point, if like I do start. like the year after I left, you started doing that project. By yeah. the end, and my last year, yeah. Man, um, so we got to take uh, French Revolution together. Mm -hmm. That was such a good class. Love and now that. they've, and we took the Enlightenment. Uh, and th now they've 
distilled those courses into one. Sure, because that's that that makes sense. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Jenkins, I think, teaches them. Oh. Yeah, she teaches history of England now too, which I think she yeah, rotated she, with. Yeah, uh, she, Krieger. she taught the other half of it actually. When 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 Krieger was teaching that one, she was teaching the other half of the, of the history of England, right? Because he it only covered like half and half. I, ironically, you have the history of one country split into two two separate classes, and then you talk about world civ, you know, which is usually Western civ, but now maybe it's broadening. I I wonder like what all you're you're getting to cover from the 1500s. Are you going to Japan? Are you going to Sub-Saharan Africa? I'm, I'm, well, well, I mean, yes. ironically, it, Western it, civ it, does it, because it's Western civ. Yeah, but I have kind of probably overstepped my bounds. Um, in a couple of areas, right. like, uh, for example, uh, like when we were covering Columbus, I was like, what? What? I was like, I'm telling these people what really <laughs> happened. <laughs> so um, I, I, I started just like in the Mongols. I started I was like, well, I'm going to tell them about all the rape. And then um, I actually had a student that How came up that came that up and they were like, I guess it had um, a, a negative experience or someone close to it. I didn't really clarify. I was just like, hey, you know, we have people you can talk to on campus type of a situation. But it was like, it made me reevaluate too. And I went and talked to my boss about it. And she's like, hey, it was suicide last semester. It's rape this semester, whatever. <laughs> I mean, she, she wasn't that coy about it. But still, you know, I mean, I, I didn't really think about that. Like all my audience in the classroom and how they might have sensitivities to certain things. So yeah. now I just make jokes and talk about Netflix shows Man. and don't talk about rape. That just, that, I mean, there's, wow, there's a lot there. I, we could do a podcast just unpacking, unpacking wh what you just said. Yeah. I mean, just well, see, so you can imagine as an adjunct, I have less, um, academic freedom so tenure. to speak you have less tenure <laughs> yeah but uh also i feel really good about um working there and i hope uh so like you know de black is retiring so um about time i think yeah i mean well he's uh he, he, it's sad that he didn't get to be a professor for as many years as some people though i think he's only a professor for less than 20 years so okay but in that time, man, like contributed so stuff. much, yeah. Because yeah. he was a principal, remember? Oh, he right. didn't go back to get a PhD until he was like 40. Working at Moralton, um, I had the option to get a PhD at like essentially half price through U of through? A. Oh, okay. Interesting. I have an interest in doing that. Like all online slash remote learning? I don't or? know. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't be that simple. Hmm. But well, um, it's 2018. You may not know this. That's where it's all going. I know, dude. That's why, like, um, that's why I just anticipate I would teach an online course. And right. they just, they're like, no, we don't do, like, so they actually, you would think them being a community college right. would do they more would online stuff, but they're actually online. doing less. And I might even say this to my, because, like, dude, as soon as they hit that point where they, like, get the refund checks, my 32-person class, like, 22 people average is what show up. I ran the averages the other day because I have to. You're dropping 10 once the refund checks hit? Well, no, they didn't drop. They just stopped coming yeah, to they, class. Yeah, they're just, they're just and I don't know if they're going to pass or not. We'll see. It's a pain, dude. I mean, Grading you know, is a pain. You know, um, no offense. I hope that they do well in life, but, you know, at the end of the day, fuck them, you know? Yeah. They're not going to show up. They're not going to show up. I can't say that, I don't think. Well, not to them, I don't but think. I can agree with you, Sarah. Yeah, okay, perfect. Yeah. I mean, they need to, just like just like me, like anything that I say about another person, know that, like, it's, it's a reflection of what I've thought about myself. And it's just like, look, if you're not going to handle your business... Well, and you know, too, so like, um, 
I hope that, uh, you know, it, it just makes you think about things, which is good. Uh, because I'm like, well, are they not showing up because of me? I should do a better job. Mm. Well, they should just drop the class and take a different one. Yeah, well, I had this, yeah. like, ironically, um, this one student that is, like, the comes to class the least and has the worst, you know, he doesn't have the worst grade or whatever, but <laughs> is, a, is a freaking high school student. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how did you end up here? I wish I could have taken college classes in high school. We We, we could. Yeah, I know. I yeah, okay. I didn't. I don't think I qualified for whatever reason. I took I took pre AP with Coslet in English, but anyway. I don't know how I qualified. Go on. Yeah. So he's like, a, you've you've got a concurrent credit student in there. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, and uh, I had to like go. Uh, no. We'll, oh, good. Yeah, we'll good. we'll just move on. <laughs> we could talk about it after the podcast a little more. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, uh, I think I think I'm. I don't know. I don't know what my. I think as long as I don't say names. No. Yeah. Absolutely. I d- situations. This wasn't even this semester, which is the first <laughs> semester I've taught. Right. Yeah. No. I, th- I think as long as you keep it vague, it's fine. Uh, he's, yeah. He's gonna know if he listens, but or she. I don't well, know, I don't you know, know um, I bet if he doesn't come to class, he's not gonna listen to this podcast. <laughs> I talk yeah. about I talk about my podcast periodically uh, okay. in class, so they would know. <coughs> but um, anyway, yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to get set up to do phone call podcast. I can do them. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's like uh, you know the audio only audience is theoretically bigger than the video audience, mm-hmm. but I think YouTube as a platform is absolutely. It's in, it's insane. Like some of the they the it defies all logic that everything I've read says audio only podcast uploaded on YouTube get the least amount of views, but my two most viewed podcasts on YouTube are audio only. So like you're you're getting people on YouTube. So so like right now we're filming, but like some people have an aversion to being on film, like they're like they they don't want to be on film or maybe we're like doing lines of blow during the podcast. (laughs) I'm just kidding, but. Um, but they don't want to be on film for whatever reason, and like they're way more relaxed and comfortable. Sure. Like a guy I have on to do my music unraveled, he just prefers to not be on camera. Colby, when he comes over, doesn't sure. want to be on camera. Right. Colby's actually known as my friend Bill. <laughs> he is an Isn't a- that his, his middle name? What's his middle name? It's actually Colby is his middle name. Oh, I'm not right. supposed to talk <laughs> about his personal information on the podcast. <laughs> I made a status that was like, going to see a perfect circle on this date. And he was like, dude, take that stuff down. People are going to come rob me when we leave, you know. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So we're not seeing a perfect circle. On this date at and this Dallas. time. <laughs> That's hilarious. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, so some people don't. Uh, they, and, like, the goal is to just have the guests be relaxed. Most people, it's, like, weird. Like, you like you were commenting, like, oh, it sounds weird in the headphones when I hear my sure. own voice. Some people are, like, uh, super stiff about stuff like that. Yeah. You have, like, see-through glasses. Uh, yeah, they're translucent frames. cool. Yeah, I, I decided to go a little bit hipster. I don't know. I've yeah. just had, anyways, not important. But have you thought about getting someone to animate your uh, your audio-only uh, podcasts. That would be awesome. Yeah. Do you know how to do that? No, I I suck at animation, but you should definitely get somebody to. Just, I like, I would stick pay draw. somebody to yeah. do that. I've got audience members right now. It's like the next evolution. So, I'm trying to hit. I'm gonna shatter this. I'm gonna try to hit 100 podcasts my first year. But like now, I'm on this five podcast a week plan, yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. I've just just got onto that last week. So oh, it's early in the year. But um, I'm hoping that a year from right now, I can have 250 podcasts out. So. But um, I'm I'm trying to get to where I can start doing clips. 
So I've got a bunch of clips where people did readings or different things on the podcast where I can pull and people are shooting me like, hey, when you're talking about Keith Richards having a blood bitch and still doing tons of heroin, that was awesome. Maybe make that a clip. I'll be like, okay. But the tunes, yeah, I wish I knew somebody that did that. That's why I'm trying, like I said, I'm trying to get to where I'm not putting tons of audio and video mm -hmm. through the computer. Yeah. Where I can all do it externally, and then I'm either going to build or I would like to build a podcast exclusively for the studio, or mm -hmm. I'm sorry, computer exclusively for the studio, and honestly, like use my TV as the monitor, sure, yeah, to where I've just kind of got like uh, the tower set up either over there, and then I just right, have the just wireless here and keyboard and stuff, yeah. But that's the plan, and I, I just need to get a software that will do it. And my Mac's a little old. I, I'm, I probably, what I'll probably do is get a new Mac here before long and use it as like our daily computer, and then strip this one down to bare again, mm -hmm. put a new hard drive in it, put some additional memory in it, maybe a new uh, upgraded OS on it, and start using it uh, again. So like I need, I need something, but I just like, I want it. You don't want, like, why these people get these super expensive machines, you don't want it to crash. Even Joe Rogan's TriCaster crashes during their live. So the machines will let you do a live stream. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's just like I got I to gotta get basically my computer going into the cameras, like I have my mic going into the camera. Right. So it's interesting learning how to do all this stuff, too. That's what's it's kind of uh, stimulating. Yeah, I think it's funny that you're going in kind of this direction of, I mean, it's it's a natural evolution of kind of a lot of your interests. But, like, since I've gotten home, I've put a lot of time and energy and some money into spending time with my dad, like, out in the shop. Learn, like I, learning all sorts of sustainability, I'm sure. Yeah, well, learn, you know, like, picking up some metalworking stuff and woodworking Don't stuff. you, like, work at a metal shop? I do. I, I work cutting uh, and bending aluminum and stainless steel so it can be welded on to, like boats and stuff like that so wild yeah yeah absolutely it's it's more wild if like you see all of my education and and life choices and think how the did you end up there um yeah but too <laughs> didn't you say that aren't you about to have your student loans paid off yeah uh if i throw everything i have at it right now i'm down to six grand and that's loans. awesome dude i'm you're I, killing it it'll be done by the end of the year come hell or high water good job dude yeah. that's you should be proud of that no, and too mean, like no matter where lesson. no matter where you think you are yeah. In life, because I'm. Um, didn't you have like a stress related heart attack or yeah, something? Yeah, that was in June. Like back to the uh, California trip uh, 20 minutes ago. Wait, yeah, with, with Lupe. Yeah. yeah. I, we got food poisoning. At least I did, and I think maybe Lupe or something. I got food poisoning at least. And I'm in the back of this car after having. Food poisoning from like edibles or. No, <laughs> no, from uh, Genghis, Genghis Grill, a Mongolian hibachi kind oh, of Oh, speaking of the Mongols, <laughs> we've gone full circle already, 31 <laughs> minutes in. Yes. So I get food poisoning, I'm in the back of this car, I take some Pepto, and I just like ride it out from wherever we were in Arizona to California, and when I get there, I'm just, I'm dying, man. And that day was rough, and then just diarrhea, I never, I never allowed myself to throw up. Uh, can I say diarrhea? You can't say diarrhea on the podcast. I was about to make a joke. We could totally say I was thinking make that joke right now. Uh, uh, fuck. Um, so, but like I, I got to where I could walk around and I was hydrated a little bit. Uh, and I went out to the to two bars. I drank water and ate like two French fries. But I was like, you guys got to come out and see me. All my 
California friends, and like I woke up the next morning in a uh, on a couch of a friend's where I'd stayed, and like was feeling a, a lot better, but still not a hundred percent. But I was like, okay. And his roommate left for work, works for WB. And uh, I'm, I lay back on the couch. I'm like, it's 7.30. I'm like, I'm going to go back to sleep. Well, like, I started having this real uncomfortable, like, stiffness in my back between my shoulder blades. And that grew into a heart attack over the next hour and a half. And I went to urgent care. And they're like, mm, you should go to the ER probably, maybe. Was your blood pressure, like, through the roof? No, or? they took an EKG. And the EKG said he's having or has had a heart attack. But they're like, we're not really understanding this. Maybe you should go to the ER. I'm like, uh, okay. Well, and by the time I had even been seen at urgent care, like the pain, like the numbness in my arm and the pain had gone away. It all subsided. So I go to the ER anyways. I'm like, chest pains, chest pains, chest pains. They took three more EKGs, took blood, took chest x-rays. And they're like, they still come in. And they're like, okay, it looks like you had a heart attack. That doesn't make any sense to us. Did you take any like cocaine or anything? I'm like, no, I didn't take any cocaine. What are you talking about? Have well, ta- you ever taken any Adderall or anything like that? No. No. So, uh. I'm telling you, Lupe slipped you an edible, bro. Probably. Had a panic no, attack. I, I, no, like. Just kidding, Lupe, if you're listening to this. Yeah, I, I know you I, would never do things like that. I doubt he would. Uh, we're just going to leave it there as well. You're welcome, Lupe. Um, and, uh, well, my blood results finally came back, and they're like, holy shit. And they, like, all of a sudden there's eight people in my room, and I'm naked under a gown, and there's this middle-aged lady who's funny and nice she's and very nurse. polite. No, well, she's one of the six. And she's now shaving my pubes. Oh, my and God. I've got this young, kind of cute girl they here. Did, they gave you a catheter? Uh, no. What they did was they were going to – they did an angiogram, which is where they stick a tube. No. Your artery in your groin up to your heart. So you had no blockage, though? No, there was no – there was – what happened was there was a spasm in one of my arteries in my heart, which cut off almost entirely the blood flow to my heart for a few minutes. And that's what caused cardiac arrest, basically. And uh, they have no idea what caused it. Stress is the only word that they can use for it, and they have no idea what caused the stress. There's just well, no do you feel like you're stressed out? No. Well, have you? Because like when I, I heard that, I was like, oh, he's having a hard time or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, do you feel I mean, super stressed? Yeah. Because I mean, damn, dude, you only owe you only owe the federal government six grand. You're <laughs> single, thirty. You thirty. Yeah. Single thirty-year-old yeah. man, mm-hmm. you can do whatever the fuck you want, bro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm kind of envious 30, of your state in life. I'm gonna be restarting life again, at no debt and a little bit of money in my pocket, and Dude, just the world. Of, that's that's huge. It's a little daunting, actually. It's kind of overwhelming. You could be anything. I could. I think at this point, I I look at people like you or like Drew and Brandy, and I just think. I would I would kill for at least somebody to be starting over with, you know, like there's just th- like I had said earlier. Lonely, loneliness is a thing, dude, for sure. It is. I think I experience it. I'm I'm an extreme extrovert. There's a person out there that might disagree with that, but she can shut the hell up. Um, and I uh, well, too. So like when you get that friend that that's your life partner or yeah. whatever it's well, like I mean, that I mean, you extrovert with them the, yeah, you, yeah. or you introvert with them rather yeah. in a way like uh yeah. it's it's wild it's like core and i are super outgoing but i mean we kind of just want to be here with each other right you, you know you guys your y'all's introvert time is together which i think is healthy for a marriage i think it's weird that we've gone into the extreme individualism zones of like well i need a break from my husband i mean like make your relationship work however you want to, but maybe there's something going on there, and I won't I won't pick at that too, that scab too much. But I, 
Like I need people in order to live life with. And right now, all of my friends, yourself included, like you've all got things that you're doing and I'm just trying to do a certain list of things that don't really tie me to any place or any kind of rhythm of life, really. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast? Uh, no. Dude, I, mean, I, yeah, I just listened yeah, to... I've thought about doing YouTube I, I shared it on... Uh, well, see, I just, I've got 170 videos on our gym YouTube. So, mm-hmm. like, I've been, I was feeling like I was late to the game. I started the sure. YouTube over a couple of times when we moved gyms and stuff. Yeah. And uh, then I was like, no, like, I want people to see the evolution. Like, I've just, like, I did some classes on YouTube, and I'm, like I said, I'm taking this master class, and I shared a video just today by Dan Carlin, the hardcore history guy, Wrath of the Cons, and um, he talks about amateur content. I've heard, I first heard him talking about it on Joe Rogan's podcast, but he gave, he gave a TED Talk. It's, like, 15 minutes long, and he was saying that, like, in, like, the 80s and 90s, if you have a sitcom and you have five, if you drop to like five million viewers, you're getting canceled. Now, almost all sitcoms have five million or less viewers. Interesting. Yeah. So, well, I mean, however, there were, there were fewer channels. Exactly. But, well, yeah, channels, in a way. So. But I mean, thank like even when we were growing up and our parents had cable, we still had like, you and know, less 98 money per channels viewer. or something. Less money per viewer. Well, so like now, sure. like the, the move is this. Put amateur content out that you can make yourself that's free. Be authentic and real with it. Upload it into these platforms, and they, through their algorithms, distribute it to the audience. You don't even have to do anything, typically. Like, I have to do, if I want to get, if I want to access social media, yeah, but um, I just had it pulled up before we started, like, um, something like 40% of my reach is just organic suggested views on YouTube. So people watching other podcasts, uh, same thing. That's how like um, Apple's uh, iTunes works. Is they just so like my audio, my audio audience is huge. But like if you go look at some of the videos on YouTube and some of the shows and some of the podcasts that have hundreds of thousands to millions of views per video consistently, they're making bank through that platform. Whether it's YouTube, whether it's Podbean, right. whether it's that they, they've monetized. So like we, I'm on Spotify now with this podcast, so that's like my first effort to monetization there. But this, the whole goal, of my first year is to get the podcast monetized, where I can get a couple of sponsors and yeah. Like um, one thing I'm really wanting to get a sponsor for is uh, so we do the music unraveled shows to be able to uh, if there's a live concert we would want to go to but mm-hmm. we can't yeah. it's like i did a fight companion the other night to do that with a concert like a like widespread panic at red rocks or something so and we can watch it live right but too i mean facebook allows you that sometimes like some bands live stream their concerts on facebook just on a whim they right. don't advertise they're going to do it panic's done that several times so it's okay Excellent. it happens yeah Sorry. I Sometimes I, no, I notice I'm like breathing into the microphone. You just get real sexy with yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, um, I mean, yeah. Anyway. I have nothing to add to that. I did, but then I lost it when I hit the microphone. I apologize. It's no worries. Um, uh, so did you did you have an agenda? I feel like I've just tainted it. No, no. I mean, okay. the, the, the agenda is uh, to be all over the place, to talk about everything and nothing Perfect. all at the same time. Uh, maybe go full circle a few times, gonna, eat a banana, I'm gonna play drink with the bananas water, for a minute, drink actually. coffee, uh, talk about goals and yeah. and whatnot. But um, so when did you go to Europe? 2012, May 1st of 2012. 
Okay. So yeah. uh, you went to Europe. Uh, how long were you there? Because I feel like you were there forever. Uh, yeah, May 1st. Uh, well, so I landed in London May 2nd because, you know, time difference and mm -hmm. layovers and stuff. Uh, landed May 2nd. I flew out of Dublin January 11th, 2013. So was that some May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December? Seven and a half months, something like that? Yeah, seven and a half. Yeah, so from London, where did the F did you go? Where, where the, the F did, did you I stay? Dude, it was crazy. I landed in London and uh, just had, had a backpack on my back. You knew a few people, uh, right, uh, in Europe? A, uh, not at that point. At that point, I had maybe one or two contacts to, to get a hold of, one of which was in Spain, uh, one of which was in Turkey, uh, wow. and then the other one was in England. And the one in England... Man, I'm just, I'm exhausted from a long flight, and I'm in London, and I leave the airport, and I'm just like, okay, now what? I had no plan. I had no reservations anywhere. I'm, I've got a bag on my back. I'm kind of tired. I, I walk around for like six hours around London, and I find myself in a bank, and I'm just thinking, okay, like, I got to secure some things. You, you start making a to-do list in order to keep yourself sane, um, and so it's like, well, maybe I need to transfer all my funds into a European bank, and that would be a better move for me, you know, to help with, like, ATM fees. Turns out, Arvest Bank, free plug here, like just the cheapest thing in the world to use foreign ATMs. Like huh. I paid like a dollar or two per transaction, and I'd always pull out like five hundred, you know, of the local currency, and I'd be good for two to four weeks on that. And you know, all together over eight and something months ATM fees, I probably only spent less than twenty bucks. Sweet. Yeah foreign transactions slash ATM fees. It was all just kind of like one or two bucks. And I was like, what? This is insane. Because when I got back, I was in Maryland, tried to use an ATM there. They wanted to charge me $4 and take out 20 bucks. I was like, mm. no. <laughs> There's no way. So I went to a bar the other day that um, I went to pay the bartender. I ordered my beer and I everything. apologize to the audience for the tangent nature of no, this conversation. But I was like, hey, you know, here's my card. And he's like, oh, there's an ATM over there. And I had to go to the ATM. They charged me like three fifty. I'm like, damn, you guys are in bed with this ATM people, aren't they are. you? They own that ATM. Yeah. Yeah, they do. It was funny though. It's genius though. So uh, London. So yeah. So I'm I'm I make it to this bank. It's a Barclay Bank, and I'm talking to these two guys who are, you know, in their twenties, maybe thirties, and uh, they're like, let's find you like a hostel or something, and they help me book my first hostel, and I get there, and I just like lay down and I kind of like have this slight anxiety attack, like panic attack of like, what a, like, I just, I'm on a precipice looking out over the entirety of like the rest of my life and I have no idea what to do. And it's terrifying. Like the endless possibilities is terrifying to me. It's almost immobilizing. For yeah, me, no, it know? is. It can be very paralyzing, I think. And I think that like when I go give talks to uh, like junior high, high school students, one of the number one things like I leave there telling them, whether it's like a motivational talk or a success talk or whatever yeah. is like, you don't have to have everything figured out. Like just do like, I'm big on just following your passions. Do, do a lot of little things that you care about. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, just, that's why, like, I have, like, these five little spots on the podcast or whatever, five little shows I'm doing, but they're all about everything I care about. And right. I don't do any podcast about shit I don't care about, <laughs> you know? But, uh, 
I think that there's a lot to be said on just like, so you wanted to go to Europe, so you went to Europe. Yeah, like, well, you wanted so to go to grad school, so you went to grad school. I, I made it halfway through junior year of college and saw that, like, the mo the majority of my classes were history classes. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to be a history major, you know? Like, I let that guide my way through through undergrad. And you you can only go through history for so long. Well, yeah, it was crazy. that I thought places. I was going to be a secondary teacher. Sure, yeah, I remember. And then I was like, no, fuck that. <laughs> um, I went to observe with Paul Gray, who's a great dude. He actually got Teacher of the Year. There's a picture of him shaking G-dubs, uh, George W. Bush's hand in the White House. Great guy, but like, um, and it's not like observing with him made me see like a bad side of things, but it was just... I don't like, I mean, if like, I like that I can go off on a Mongol tangent in my classroom right now and it's okay. Um, well, also but, secondary school. Yeah, like, you can. It's you like, write that, that lesson plan unit number on that chalkboard. Mm. And if I come by and it's not on that chalkboard, it better not happen again type of a situation. I just got a feeling and it's like too, man, it's like, there's so many social issues that like even just since we've graduated that are a parent in high schools, like in like the number of kids that go to like our local high school is insane. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's insane for the number of um, administrators and teachers that they have. And I'm not saying they're like, so there's an overcrowding issue. I don't think that there is, but I mean, we're some people might say so. Yeah. Well, I mean the, it's just that large of a sampling. It's that much more apparent of the kids that, they don't have anything or they're on free or reduced lunch or, you know, they're, they're living on their buddy's couch or whatever it is. Right. It's crazy. But I just decided when I get into that. So I just was like, well, I'll just get my master's degree. And, um, I think that, I think you would, you're marketable for any job because you walk in, you're like, yes, I have a master's degree. Sure. Is it, is it in something that is super relatable? No, but it's like, it proves that you can put your mind to something over a right. seven-year period right. and complete it. Well, I mean, uh, when I left school, or somewhere around May of 2016, I owed $23,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, I, dude, I owe like fifty. So I've, I, by the end of this month, I've paid $17,000 in two years. That's huge. See, that's why I'm getting... Um, Towards my loans. Now, a lot of that's like... like I have my parents' place to crash back at, you know? Yeah. Like, a lot of that is that because I haven't – I'm not making tons of money. But I'm unwilling to spend money that I don't have except for on student loans apparently. I'm unwilling to, like, even, like, buy a car. Like, I'm not willing to pick up a yeah, car. Yeah, you have a nice car, I noticed. That's that's my brother's car. Oh. Yeah, there you go. And CJ living I, all thrivelous. I will just burn through all of my social Did you, money. like, leave him in the car or did you just borrow it? CJ, stay here. He's I'm going to go do a he's, podcast. He's in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, like there's a, there's a thing at Tech, some kind of play that his girlfriend's in. So oh, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, probably. Yeah, one of my, one of my students, Arliss Sprinkle, oh. is Balthazar. Okay. So, yeah. Balthazar. Anyways. Yeah, he, he's one of the cronies of one of the guys in I one see. of the families. The only reason you know the name is because Arliss told you. His mom told me. Oh, I see. Yeah. Balthazar. He told me too, yeah. Sure. But, uh, yeah, cool. Missed that first time around reading Romeo and Juliet. I would have never known Balthazar was there. Mrs. Ushery's class, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm. Senior English? Nope, that would have been ninth grade with Fikes. That's when we That's when we saw the film. With, with the, the titties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, what a great memory. That is the first thing that popped into my head. Yeah. yeah. Dude, when you're in eighth grade. Ninth grade. Ninth grade, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
That was hilarious. That was the most because it was the sixties, the nineteen sixties version. I, I remember. Yeah, I remember. Miss Fikes was like, like "Y'all better be mature about this." <laughs> and like, like, like it comes on, no. and we're all just like, "What?" Yeah. Oh, dude, that's too funny, man. That's, that's too funny. Um, I really, I've got Miss Fikes on Facebook. She recently um, uh, went through a bout with cancer, but uh, as far as I know, she's yeah, I've heard recovered from it. That's so. good news. Anyway. But yeah, man, she was she was a big influence. I mean, too, like why I want to be into teaching and doing things I do is because there were people that were an influence on me at various points of time in my life. Some of which I still have around. Some of which have passed away. Some of which um, right. I'm sure I haven't even met. Well, I mean, with like David, like he just walk in and tell a story, and I was like, oh my god, like I love this. That's why I like audited. World History One and Two, my senior year with him. I was I did, effectively yeah, I did taking that too. I did what twenty one hours with him. Uh, we did the same thing. Year. I think you and I both sat in on that Civ class. Dude, Civ I loved one. it. I was actually taking Civ Two at the time, right. so I had lucked out. But I got to t- I got to sit in on uh, his Civ One class. I took him for Civ Two. I took him for Egypt. Yeah, absolutely love oh, that class. Man, that, that summer course. course, dude. The I still remember. Like one of the test questions was like, okay, it's this year, and you're in a boat. Traveling down the Nile, what do you see? You know, it's like holy shit. What? Yeah. Okay. Freaking. You just have to know. Hippopotamus is eating Pharaoh over here. <laughs> Big Nile crocodile. But yeah, just having having David walk in with like I don't know minimal things in his hands. His gold he watch never, he takes out he of his pocket that he's never gonna look at. Never, not once, not not even once. Did you, you did did you go to any of his funeral services? I didn't. I didn't get to. I went to. Um, I guess that was, it was a funeral, wasn't a visitation. Um, but yeah, dude. I was there for the farewell lecture, I think, with the chalkboard and everything, like up in yeah. Dot Brian. Yeah, that was such yeah. a great. Yeah, I filmed that. Man. But yeah, people like him who just kind of like, oh my god, like this is impactful. This is a good way of. Did of you ever have Georgina Duncan on. in class? I never had. I had never had Duncan. D- Duncan was a uh, was an influence on me. I took her for a class. I was like, "Damn!" And she had just stopped being dean and started teaching again. I was like, "I love you. I love your classes." And I took her for World War II in Vietnam. Um, and uh, then she retired, and, <laughs> and she, I was like, "Shit!" Was yeah. But uh, same th- same thing for Bush. You know how I would really like to have on the podcast is Charles P. Bush. <laughs> I keep saying it too. Probably I saw him in the coffee house the other day, and I was like, "I took him for twenty-seven credit hours." Dude, so did I. <laughs> so did every I. Every class that Charlie Bush taught. Doctor Doctor Roberts <laughs> made a joke. He was like, "You don't need a minor in philosophy. You need a minor in Charlie Bush." That's right. Because I didn't take Mitchell for no, any of those. No, not a damn thing. Yeah. Not a damn thing. Yeah. No. Uh, you should look into that philosophy. I don't know if they – I heard them talking about something the other day because I was asking if they offered philosophy, and she's like, do you have hours to teach that? And I was like, no, I don't I don't know. Do I? Right. She's like, it has to be 18. I was like, I don't have any post. Grad. Yeah. yeah um, but uh, as far as I know, they have a couple. I think they have philosophy and world – maybe world religions. Hmm. So I mean they have all the all your base level stuff like American government. Yeah, give me six months. US I, one I can two, be a semi expert just about anything in six months. You yeah, know? that's what you know. That's what my kind of degrees mean. Yeah, you know too. Like I can almost guarantee you, you could march up to tech and just get a GA and take like a couple of classes and exert minimal effort on a part time basis, yeah. make a four point, 
and get get be able to do because if it's eighteen hours, I know that they will cross audit some of your classes and right. count them over. How how many uh, how many hours did you have to do for your uh, masters at Tech? Thirty. Thirty. Thirty-one, twenty-seven, something like that. I mean, I dude, a, it was nothing. I was on a quarter system, right? So we were doing four four terms a year. My my. MA That's pretty much. I took a one one right. semester off, but that's pretty much how like I my did those summers. My MAT was ninety six credit hours. Holy shit! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I like because I had all that secondary education background, which I like to brag about uh, when I'm talking <laughs> to people in in academic circles and on my podcast. Sure. Um, I graduated with like a hundred and sixty four credit hours, and you have that like a hundred twenty to graduate yeah. or something. 124. Yeah. But I had like maybe 100, like 170, maybe. It was a shit ton. Way more than I was supposed to have. But man, like all of that was like, those are like my formative years, I feel. Right. Like, um, that, t- like I talk about this a lot. I don't, I don't feel like most people until they're 23 to 25 have like developed their frontal lobe. Yeah. And even after that, you could still be an asshole and lose it. You it's know? true. I think also Dykema was a huge, uh, dude, Dykema's, yeah. You know, like, I, I enjoyed his classes. I, I really remember you took him for Reformation, I Renaissance. Took for, I took him for um, uh, his, uh, History of Christianity as well. And <sighs> like, it was a great class. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to take that. Yeah. Yeah, I really did want to take that. We should go sit in on it. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did want to take that. I forgot that he taught that. I, I, yeah, I got two minors, a philosophy minor and an English minor, and I was going for that religious studies minor. Would have had it, but they wanted me to take anthropology, and I was like... I took anthropology. Oh, Here's yeah, the re- the good. reason I didn't take religious studies is because the guy who um, is actually um, got let go from tech uh, since uh, that taught um, Intro to World Religion. Mm-hmm. No, uh, no, it was... Um, what was it? Yeah, um, sociology of religion. That's what it was. Oh, that sounds fun. He owned a martial arts school, and I, f- oh. I didn't feel like I would get a fair nod if I took that class, and I had a really good GPA, and I didn't want to end up with a C or some crazy shit or just yeah. like him be just a total crazy person. in town. Yeah, but he ended up – like he's, yeah. a, he's opened and closed gyms like two or three times since I've been in business, and like it was really weird because he would never, he would never uh, acknowledge me or talk to me. And the very first thing he ever said to me is when I was in graduate school working for the dean. And he's like, oh, something about martial arts, school, jujitsu. And I was just like, uh, that's what you open up with? Like, I've been working here for like five years. <laughs> you know, like, but it was just kind of awkward. Like, I never really, like, went up to him. But it's like we also, like, we do boxing, kickboxing, judo, jujitsu, and MMA. Mm-hmm. Well, they were just a judo school. All right. So it's like, to him, I'm trying to, you know dip my my hand in his honey pot right. or something because he does judo and i do judo and he can live with that i don't know right well he feels it's like it's uh, you know it's, it's like, healthy i'm a one sport person you're a tri-sport person how about you just stay in your lane over there and give me my one thing i'm sure that there's some amount of bitterness especially if you're doing it better than he is that that was probably the main point of contention. I wouldn't even say that. I mean, dude's got legit knowledge and stuff, but uh, sure. I w- I've never been out to get anybody. Well, you can be a you can be market. he could be better at judo than you. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that he's got a better business model than you. Do. Yeah, that's like I joke all the time. I'm training this boxer right now named Timothy, and uh, that's mm-hmm. not real. That's not real. Have you ever seen this, uh, the key and peel yeah, substitute? Yeah, that's not real. Yeah, yeah. Everybody gets a nickname, Petey. But um, so Timothy uh, is like 17. He's that kid I mentioned with the truck and the driver's license. Oh, cool. 
So, um, so this guy's real. Okay. He's a real person and uh, is a total savage with his hands. Like I work with him a couple hours a week, a lot of weeks, and um, he's been trying me almost two years. But in terms of boxing, like he is just yeah. just like getting lethal. I can't wait to see him um, progress even more. He's had like six fights of this season, I believe. So uh, there's one time in four weeks he fought three times. So he's just an amateur, but he's getting lethal. Like when he spars with people, it's just like, oh. But people see that, and then that just raises the level of the whole team too, really. Right. That It's like, oh, that level exists. We want to be like him. So That's people right. watch him, model after him. Yep. Oh, that works for him. I can make that work for me. But um, I'm just like, yeah, Tim. You got a little bit more to go before you're just totally better than me. But uh, then I'm going to take you down and choke that ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like his boxing. Like I said, he's gonna, there's going to come a day where, like, he's, he's always – like, that's what people sometimes don't realize is, like, it doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah. You ain't going to train yourself. You right. can to an extent. But, yeah. like, having a coach is such a priceless relationship yeah. to have. Yeah. And that's Master why apprentice. I was just yeah. talking to uh, one of my coaches today about loyalty and how, like, with, like – younger people it's like a big issue like they like we we kind of joke around about like for what we do the 18 to 25 year old market being a little weaker and like some of the stuff we offer and it's like people kind of like over that 25 year mark are like a lot more consistent a lot more mature a lot more financially stable your values and your like your your interests and what's important to you they all change yeah that is true like that's why that's why i've that's what, why in, in September of 2016, I left L.A. I, I came home and I was like, I'm going to invest Dude, time in my family. how stressful was living in L.A., bro? Ah, oh, fuck L.A. <laughs> yeah, dude, I could I, uh, not live there. Just the traffic alone. Did man, you drive on the 405 every day? No, absolutely not. I lived basically on the 210, which is a nightmare and a half. Uh, but, yeah, I, I drove a few times, uh, more than a handful of times in LA. I got used to the traffic. I drive like I'm in LA on 40. So that's interesting. Um, but yeah, I, it was, I lived in Pasadena, which is like basically this protected bowl of, of windless heat and death. And it's just, oh, just most of LA was, it's a, it's a cool place to visit. Like you can spend yeah, a cool, I've been like, out there three or four times. or five days there and like have fun, but you gotta get the hell out. Because I'm trying to go back, um, here in the next no few good. months to visit my uh, buddy Jack. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's a great place to visit. I actually enjoy going back to it now that I don't live there anymore, but living there sucks. Yeah. Traveling there the first couple of times for me was pretty stressful, too, just because it's so different. Like uh, driving there. I remember driving there. We got a rental car the first time I went. It's I like I'd never even seen like the Pacific Ocean. Times. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I was probably and I was like 20, maybe 25 or 26 or something when I jumped in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. It's pretty cool, Mom. Yeah, that's when I'm. That's when I moved out there. And I swallowed we were some salt water, and I was like, old. "Damn, this that's tastes disgusting. horrible." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you kind of burp it up afterwards. Oh, the waves just take you down. Mm, yeah. Ocean sharks stuff. Yeah, and see, no, like Cora wants to go like diving underwater caves and shit. I'm like, what is the matter with Wait, you? Yeah. There are sharks in that water. Yeah, when I was in when I was in uh, Egypt on the on the Sinai Peninsula, uh, I was in a place called Dahab, and uh, it's jihad, <laughs> jihad, <laughs> uh It's like the place where like all the locals go instead of. Uh, 
was it Sharm el Sheikh or something like that? Which is another place that's, I don't remember. Anyways, there's a place where all the Russians go that has a resort and like parasailing and all the fun things. And there's mm. the place where all the Egyptians go. And, but there's also uh, one or two dive spots there that people go and, and get certified to dive really cheap. And they, they dive there. There's like a, a blue hole there. There's like a couple of blue holes around the world, but this one. I think I've seen the one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's, it's one of the more dangerous spots in the world to dive, to do scuba diving. See, um, like I've seen photos, and apparently there's all of this stuff underwater. Mm-hmm. And um, like right in there at Giza and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like right in the, uh, like Abu Kir Bay. In the Nile and in the Med, both. Uh, like all, all throughout the Med. Like sure. uh, whether they're on islands or what. But a guy that I follow named Graham Hancock is like reported on a lot of this stuff. But there's like, um, I want to say like even a sphinx at the bottom of the Nile. There's like all of these underwater. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And, uh, Not that you it, could see well, it, it since it, the Nile is basically green. That, but too, imagine like how many people you probably don't have diving in the Nile because of like the crazy shit that's in there. Well, ironically, uh, my time in Cairo, like you see children jumping off of boats into the Nile, just no. playing around. And, like, you, you automatically think, like, wait a minute, I've seen movies, there are alligators in that. And, David Krieger yeah. told me about the pharaohs getting eaten. Yeah, exactly, right? But then you then you look at the water and you think, dear God, get out of the water, what are you doing? Even if there are no animals, which I don't know how they would live in that habitat because it's so filthy, like, get out of there, you're going to get staff or something, you know? <laughs> like, See, I've heard so I've heard people in that area, like, I had some Egyptian students that came here as, uh, like, refugees. Oh, yeah. And um, they were saying that they're like, oh, you, you see that burger that's been in the fridge for four days, and you're like, eh, that might make me sick. And we're like, eh. My immune system better hand that here. <laughs> like, like they're just like it's an opportunity to strengthen myself if it's questionable. I'm right like, on. like they like actually right explained on. it to me that way. He's like, you think this way, I think this way, and yeah. I was like, damn, dude. Yeah. And then he was also this is this. Are they actual cops? Are they a- Arabs? Or are they some mix? Um, you don't know. That's I right. don't know, but like, is they had a weird story? Like, there are two different cultures. They were from Egypt, but they had they had like the kids had grown up in Dubai. Okay. And like apparently you can migrate to Dubai while your kids are under eighteen, but when they turn like sixteen or eighteen, you if they if you don't if get they don't get accepted to school or something, you have to move back to wherever you're from. Mm-hmm. Well, during that time that they were supposed to move back was like the Arab Spring had happened or some crazy shit. So like they got yeah. displaced and ended up coming here and um Well that was nice. For, well first they ended up going to like New Jersey. That's, That's where so they nice, got, but, uh, yeah. and then uh, ended up coming here for some reason because uh, what I think one of the older brothers, the one that turned 18 or 16 first, whichever age it was, I was getting an engineering degree at Tech. Oh, yeah. So he could go back and work in Dubai, fastest growing uh, yeah. city in uh, the world. Yeah, it's crazy just how many like Jordanian princes come to Tech Did you go? Yeah, have Conway. You, I know, yeah. There's, one, uh, there's a guy, he's from Kuwait right now, but he drives like a freaking Corvette. And uh, like this cherry red, beautiful Corvette, and he does he done judo does. in Kuwait. And of course he does. His name's Salman. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was like he's like, but my friends call me Inzi. Oh, it should be just Saul. And I was like, like NZT, like that, like Limitless. Wasn't that called NZT? Ah, uh, sounds. Fam- Did you ever similar. see that movie, Bradley yeah, yeah. Cooper? Such a good movie, yeah. dude. Such a good movie. Is that uh, who's that? Robert De Niro? No. 
Who's that? Who plays opposite? That tries to get like steal his stuff. Oh, the crazy Russian guy. No, 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 right? no, no, no. The guy that he's that's trying to outmaneuver him. Mm, whole... Man, I do want to watch that again. I've seen it several times. Um, ah, dude, let's just look it up. That's a good freaking movie. If you haven't seen it, um, it's uh, Limitless. Bradley Cooper. Um, just say I me send this text. Oh, uh, good lord! All right, so okay, limitless. limitless. I'm telling you, man. Man, I don't have my Wikipedia app. I just got a new phone. I got to download it. Did you ever watch the TV show they made? It was like a Netflix original no. or something. Yeah, I saw that, but no. Let's see, 2011 American Science Fiction. It was Robert De Niro. Hey. Look at you, dude. Look at you. Domination. Yeah, Robert De Niro. Who was the other guy? Who was the bad guy that was the Russian that was after? And that dude did an incredible job. Cast. Uh, da, 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 da. Johnny Whitworth, maybe. Anyway. Yeah, that was a fantastic movie. It was. I really enjoyed it. Was it was good. If only, you know, things like that existed. Some people would say they do. Maybe they do. There's this stuff out there called uh, nootropics. It's actually, there's tons of nootropics, uh, but... What they are is uh, like certain mushrooms have nootropic effect, uh, like lion's mane and um, shiitake and and others. I, I'm st I'm learning about a lot about this right now. But like, you ever heard like, oh, if you if you smoke that weed, it's gonna kill your brain cells and you're gonna be a burnout. That's actually not necessarily how it works. We're gonna kill brain cells all the time. Yeah. And we're in our neuro pathways are even going to get fucked up mm -hmm. and you can rewire yourself, produce new brain cells through exercise, through nutrition. Yeah. Um, so these nootropics will, um, along with exercise, a healthy lifestyle will help uh, this uh, facilitate this process called neurogenesis where okay. you're actually producing new brain cells. Yeah. Neurogenesis. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I was a topic I've been recently fascinated by. There's a guy named Paul Stamets out there. I've talked about him a couple of times on the podcast. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast, so I heard about him. But he's done a TED Talk, and right. all of his research is on sort of the, the cognitive um, benefits of various types of mushrooms, not just psilocybin. This is kind of like uh, he's kind of like uh, you take like marijuana and CBD. CBD is a non-psychoactive but it has these physical benefits, right? You know, like Cora takes it; it's federally legal. Mm -hmm. But like, it helps her big time, like stress and anxiety. Tanya Peden sells it. Hey, is <laughs> it the hemp works? Uh, I think it might be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, does she take it? Uh, she she uh, I think she is using it in some kind of. I think she's even tried to use it on my dog before. Yeah. No. Yeah. Doggy drops. Sure. Um, I'm like, don't give my dog stuff because she's never like on the pulse of what's good for my dog or what's not good for my dog. But. Yeah, dude. My dog, like, he ran off one night. Like, it's the coldest night. Yeah. It's like, uh, like literally the coldest night all year around here. Yeah. And it was like even snowing a little bit. There's snow on the ground. And uh, it was like right when I was like my second day to teach class at Moralton too because they canceled my first class I was supposed to teach. We're starting at 10 today because of the ice or whatever. So he runs off for like five hours and he comes trotting back up and he's got like icicles hanging from his fur and stuff. And like just two days ago, he had this spurt where he kept running off. Yeah. And uh, we got a shot collar for him. But even after the shot collar, he got away a couple of times because this or that, like the first the collar is too loose on him. But then, like, this pond back here is totally frozen over. And so he, like, ran out him. on it and then fell in. And I'm like, dude. Well, luckily, he's a lab and can swim like a beast. Right. But, uh, you know, he was, like, six months old at the time. 
and uh it's just like super stressful with him getting out but he came trotting back up and from that little episode he got a parasite worms and staph infection <laughs> i'm just like dude you just cost me like 170 bucks you asshole Jerk. Sowing his wild oats. There's this, there's this little German shepherd's probably about the same age as him around here and bad know. influence. Like he Have like not... waits at the edge of the yard and tries to get him to bolt off with him. Oh man. Mm. Anyway. Dogs, man. What are you gonna do? Pupper man. That's his nickname. Pupper? Pupper man. Okay. Sometimes we just call him P Man. Sure. Or just P. Just, just like I like to do like like Puff Daddy. Why not just puff? Yeah. 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 So uh, well, I think um, we left off in London. Yeah, London, so <laughs> the, a- the ATMs in London. Yeah, and and my entire life before me and the Narbus cr- Bank, the crushing, uh, the crushing weight of just infinite possibilities. I made it to Oxford. I just said, okay, look, I'm gonna go see the things I wanted to see. Like I'm, I'm not gonna let this emotional like weight drop down on me. And the whole time, like this girl that I would later date and want to marry, like is pretty much my only contact with the outside world. And like, was she here or there? She's, here? She was here. Um, and, uh, do I know this person? Uh, no. Anyway. So like we, like if I needed to get a hold of my mom or something, I would text her and be like, Hey, can you tell my mom to blah, blah, blah. Anyways. So that's, that's building that relationship to kind of make that connection. Anyway. So I've got one person in the world that I'm talking to at that point. Right. So, because everybody else is kind of hard to track down and you know, it's hard to have a social life when you're not really sure what you're doing from day to day. So I, I go to Oxford. I get a hostel for, like, just stupid amounts of money. There are parts of the world that are just too stupid. Expensive or cheap? Yeah, like, well, the hostel, like, my bed was, like, mm, 20 pounds or something, 23 pounds, which is which is at that time was, like, 30 bucks, which is – I can stay in London for, like, 15, 20 bucks every night of the week. Nice. Uh, you you might have to move around to different parts of the city, but like you can do it. And so, hey, but you know, small town. Get to Oxford. Call my one contact in England. Break down crying to the guy because he's just like, "Hey man, see what you want to see, and then get out here and let's get you straightened out and like get you, you know, get your feet underneath you." And I just broke down like the like. I'm what feet? I don't have any feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just like I've. I kind of landed. I didn't realize, but emotionally, like the the toll of like uh, I don't know what to do, and then somebody saying, "Hey, you're not alone." It's like, oh wow, okay. So I did that, and I just started, you know, doing the. Big so thing. how old were you when you got over there? Like, was two thousand twenty five, bro? Twenty five. So right? this is your coming of age moment. Yeah, yeah. that was it. Yeah, that's your your you just like you probably your frontal lobe probably fully developed at that just, instance. Just you're like, I am a boom. man. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I rode a bike. 30 miles uh, one way to Plymouth and then 30 miles back. That was a terrible decision. Made some friends in Plymouth, England. Uh, I just did a whole lot of like, not tourist stuff, but like semi-tourist stuff. Uh, Didn't you like walk, how, like you like walked all the way across the continent pretty much, did you not? Well, I mean, I put in a lot of miles walking. I put in quite a few miles hitchhiking. Uh, but I did I did a lot of uh, coaches, like a lot of buses, long long distance buses around England. Hit up hostels, slept in. Did anybody slash your Achilles heel or anything while no, you were in a hostel? Thank, thankfully, no. Yeah, like the movie. That never. I've never I, seen those, and everyone brings them up every time I bring up the word. That's hostel. the that's the one thing I remember is like they cut the Achilles yeah. heels of this person, and then they stood up, and like it was like <laughs> like their body. I <laughs> know, dude. Oh, I know. Oh. I know. Surely. Oh. Up. Ah. I can't deal with that. That was a, yeah. Anyways, uh, I'm okay. 
All right, I still I, I can't stop center. thinking about it. Um, we saw, oh, which is take yeah, this yeah. Death <laughs> us off and we saw it. Ah. Martin Lawrence. Oh. You know, somebody the other day was like, like quoted the movie Life with oh, it, no. Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy. And he was, I was like, what's that from? And he was like, you know, Life, Eddie Murphy. And I was like, what a drop. Dude, I haven't seen that movie in like five years. He was like, oh, I bought it. It's good. Was it, was it the cornbread? quote because i feel like that's the only thing anyone ever quotes <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember okay. what he quoted because it's been so long since i saw it and i was like so you just bought it and watched it he's like yeah my wife didn't like it but whatever <laughs> yeah kudos to that guy. it's a good movie kudos. No. uh yeah just kind of started busting around made it over to ireland did like kind of the southern coastal route up to galway and then hitchhiked back to dublin and up and uh fun fact when you leave england they're probably gonna correct this if they ever hear this when you leave england out of wales the UK out of Wales, sorry Wales, um, uh, over into Dublin. They stamp, they stamp you into Ireland in Dublin, which takes you out of the UK off of your tourist visa. You know, if you're counting days and stuff like that. Oh, I'm running out of days in the UK. Well, just go to Ireland and then go straight up to Belfast and then take the ferry from Belfast to Scotland. They don't stamp you into Scotland, so you're technically still in Ireland, but you're not in Ireland. You're back in the UK because there's no border crossing. At Belfast, I'm screwing up all the borders uh, now. If, if people can watch season season three of Sons of Anarchy, if you have any questions, it's set in Belfast. <laughs> yeah, th- th- there you go. Goes into all this. Um, and you just you just cross, you take a bus from from Dublin to Belfast, and you're in, back in the UK, no stamp required, and now you're in the UK without a stamp, and everyone's cool with it. So welcome to being in UK in the UK uh, indefinitely without any kind of problem. If uh, immigration's like, how long have you been here? Just say, oh, well, I just caught the ferry a couple days ago. Uh, And you're set. Done. Done. Done and over with. You're in the UK indefinitely. Uh, But, you know, then came down from Scotland back into, you know. Did you go to Stonehenge? I I did. I got kicked out of Stonehenge. Which what for? Uh, Graffiti? No. (laughs) No, not graffiti. There's There's little walkways, you know, and they're like little roped off and there's you a sign the rope. there's a sign that says don't don't over the don't, don't stay on the grass or whatever and so i'm with a, a friend of mine who's taking me there and i jump over and i lean down next to the sign and then i jump back and this this old white guy druid. a druid he's a, no no it's this old hippie nowhere. he's this old hippie dude and he just he's he's with stonehenge and he's just hot, red hot mad at me and he's coming over you come you know, people wouldn't do this in a church, and I just thought to myself, "Well, you obviously, obviously have not seen me in a church. <laughs> like I would definitely have, because me in the Holy Sepulchre was just as bad." <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> it's fine. Don't don't tell anyone. Um, but yeah, like he's like, we don't, we just don't know. I'm like, okay, and I was just real chill with him. Like you know, he had a lot of valid points, but I was just stepping on the grass. Apparently, you can be fined for even putting a tripod down in the grass, like with spikes to go into the grass. Mm-hmm. They find people for that. Did you get fined? I did not get fined. I just got kicked out. It was worth the eight pounds, honestly. But the person I was with had been there as a child, not even 20 years prior. We're talking like 15 years prior. And at that point in time, they were just able to go up and hug the stones and do whatever Somebody they wanted. Somebody probably did graffiti it. Well, I mean, you know, pe- those stones have been there for 5,000 plus years. And, you know, it's not and like we're the first people. Yeah, exactly, to, to go touch them or anything. Well, and ironically, I think the birds are hello dog ah dog the birds are doing more damage to stonehenge right now than anything 
We have uh, Pepperman's family made his debut on the podcast. How did how did you open the door? I'm he so has impressed. he has opposable thumbs. Opposable. They're actually just these crazy claws. <laughs> All right. That's a huge. Pepperman has made his debut. And he's gone. My dog's name is Hickson, after the great uh, Hickson Gracie. That's spelled with an R. It's spelled with a what? An R. An R. Wait. In Portuguese, you turn your R's to H's. Oh, I see. Okay. Respect. Okay. It's respect. I got that, yeah. yeah. <coughs> is that just in all Portuguese, or is that in, like, Brazilian Portuguese? Um, I think it's all Portuguese, but it could just be Brazilian. Interesting. Yes. One thing I kind of skirted over that I want to hit more on next go. time is I didn't go into Portugal really at all in my class. Feel bad. I didn't even talk about Prince Henry the Navigator. Yeah, well, let's be honest. No one really talks about Portugal at all. We just kind of assume it was part of Spain. I did when I yeah. talked about taking African slaves from Portugal you to Brazil to, you have to because talk about that. that was like, man, that was a two-year journey. Well, when we when we when we when you get to the transatlantic slave trade. You have to talk about Yeah, all that's the what I just covered, bro. That's exactly what I called it. That's to, what it's called in the book. <laughs> you have to talk about all the players, the Dutch and the Portuguese. Yeah, the Dutch were major players. Yeah. It's crazy how much I you know, I'm about to so next class I'm covering uh uh Louis uh, Wars of Devolution. Devolution? Yeah, that's what they call them. I don't know why. I can't okay. I gotta look it up why. Sure. But um it's um it's basically and I so he the these wars of devolution, wars of Spanish secession. I think it's Wars of Devolution where he's in. Th- but anyway, Louis goes with the Dutch, and they flood their own country to drive him out. Remember that story? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. where I'm at, bro. They're hardcore. I love the Dutch because, like, right now in the States, you think of the Dutch, and you think of, like, you know, like, making. Gold member. Like, well, <laughs> well, I guess if you're that old, yeah. Yeah, if you're our age, that is what you think. But you think of, like, the Amish or something like that, or, like, people coming over and, like, making crafts yeah. and things like that. Oh, the Dutch or something, you know, clogs are the Am- Are the Amish anti-Baptist? You mean Anabaptist? Anabaptist, whatever. <laughs> I don't think they're anti anybody. Is it A-N-T-A or is it A-N-T-I? A-N-A. A-N-A? Anabaptist. Yeah, yeah. But aren't they, So, but, but isn't one of their core beliefs is they don't believe children should be baptized? That's why I thought it was anti-Baptist. I, okay, so I don't know. I don't know happen. if it's the yeah. Amish or, yeah. or the, but I think that that is a belief that may be held by the Amish and the Mennonites. That is also a core belief. Is like the Calvinists, the predestinationers, mm-hmm. and so like I just went through the Revol- uh, the Reformation. So that's why I was excited to have you on, just to be like, what what the fuck is this seminary all about? I actually know a few people that have been through seminary, but not probably like a program like you that's gonna give you a master's degree. Master. Yeah, maybe. 96 credit hours, that's a lot. It was a lot. Did Dr. Dykema go through seminary? I like he don't did. think so. I do, well, My judo his, sensei did. His his PhD is in like a certain time period in the German priesthood or something like that. Something to do with a certain time period in the German priesthood. So I think that that's why he has some kind of connection in Germany. You know, the Lutheran church in Germany is pretty state time. Martin Luther, what an OG. What a... Rick. Did you go to Germany? <laughs> yeah. I've did you Germany, Did you yeah. go to any cool Reformation sites? Uh, what did you do? At, well, what's, uh, what'd you do after Stonehenge? Like, uh, you got thrown out of Stonehenge. <laughs> thrown out of Stonehenge. We'll, Stonehenge. We'll, we'll stay in chronological I was order. In Bath uh, for a while. I took the ferry from Plymouth to Santander, uh, España, uh, and you know stayed in northern Spain for two weeks, and then went to the Running of the Bulls. Oh, you did! I remember seeing yeah. a post about that. Yeah, cool. My favorite part of Spanish history is when Napoleon's brother took it over. <laughs> Just kidding. It's not my favorite. Is it not? Uh, yeah, Spanish history is interesting. Spanish conquest. Is 
they really uh, they kind of served as a model for like what not to do with the conquest. Everybody was always Very looking at what they did and like ripping off the best parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did kind of have the first model, I feel like, and mm-hmm. in terms of conquest and colonization, and that's whether or not that is how other European nations like Portugal and France and England operated. That's how it's depicted in in a lot of. Um, survey textbooks like sure. this like at the Civ book i'm doing well, which i like some of that book man but some like the first few chapters i was like this is crap but really like absolute the uh, chapter they have on like the transatlantic um slave trade and like uh absolutism and constitutionalism and the enlightenment from trouble so i'm i'm down with that like mm-hmm. i don't know if there's just a larger pool of historians that are writing that history but oh man, the and the the Reformation chapter was good too, Scientific Revolution chapter, meh, and then like all the earlier stuff on Spanish conquest and um, well, people don't care the about Renaissance. It I just wasn't digging it. I was like the hardest stuff to get into in the book, and I went um, I went from a lot of external resources on that well, earlier stuff. I mean, but what's sexy right now? Race relations and you know certain narratives about the root causes of those things. So. You're, yeah. not, you're not going to get a Dude, lot. what's crazy too is on, like um, on the on the you know Sp- on Spain being you know con- the the inbreeding and the freaking um, the um, people uh, in like homosexuality is mind blowing at that time. Like Louis had a brother, oh, right. Philip the I think he's Philip the first of New, of Orleans, mm-hmm. Duke Duke of Orleans. Is this the one he tried to turn into a woman? Yeah, no, yeah. he was for all for all intents and purposes raised as a female, as a female. and so was gay, couldn't. and it was known that he was gay, and he was accepted. But he did have two kids, um, and yeah, but that's uh, so that's that he story. wouldn't be a threat to Louis's reign. Yep. Yeah, I'm a genius. Well done, well yeah. done, Louis. Cutthroat old bastard. The Sun King. There's this dude I follow on um, YouTube that uh, just does these super funny videos, and he's like. We're going to learn about Louis the Fourteenth. Oh, Louis the Sun King, you say? Yeah. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Just like, in the, like, he's talking about Cardinal Richelieu Uh-oh. in the Thirty Years' War, and he's like, some might say Cardinal Richelieu is riding 30. Like, just make it all so like, and you're like, you're like listening to it, and then he's like, like drinks his coffee after he makes a joke, and uh, this dude—I think he works at the same university that Kerry Roberts went to, like Liberty oh, University yeah. or something. But he might—he might be like—I don't know—he's like he's in that area, like North Carolina, South Carolina. But uh, oh yeah, and he's like, you know what? When you're a king, pimping ain't easy. But you know what? Louis made it look easy, <laughs> and he just like keeps playing on that joke for like two of his episodes. Oh. But pretty much, that dude just took a, took. What he's doing every day, mm-hmm. and just re- hit record. Yeah, just and that's amateur content, and that is so that I'm just super into that that's idea all right you, now. Yeah, well, that guy's getting hundreds of thousands of views on every video. That's that, and he's making that's that's, that's hundreds of dollars in a me. paycheck. That's 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 encouraging to me. You know, like that people are actually tuning into that kind of content. Because I feel like right now the the biggest weakness that we have in the West in the world question mark is just knowledge about history. Yeah. When you when you start like when you start boiling down like things to like okay well it was this this is the one thing that drove everything. Well, the Civil War was fought on states' rights. I mean that's 
That's irrefutable. I wasn't about to bring this up, but <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like, but when you <laughs> boil it down to like, uh, it would be ignorant to say that, that the Civil War was fought over just states' rights. That's it. it would There's be a lot of people in our area, sadly, that say that. There was somebody on my, f- and I, I had, and they were, they were an elder gentleman, and I had the respect to not comment on it, but they, they, and they're a Civil War reenactor. Oh, sure. And they were sure. arguing about all of that, and I'm like, man. Okay, so the, the no. reality is, like, the state's rights to own slaves. I mean, so it's both. It's, it's it is both, both. It's but it's like, I mean, it's, both. it's a... It's, but it's also, it's, you know what it's not? You know what it's not? It's not the the, nor- the enlightened northern states going on some kind of jihad. <laughs> it's not. <that. laughs> I know, right? <laughs> like, it's not. They are not this pristine, like, uh, ethical, like, group of people who are coming in to save the you know some kind of third world country population it's not that and it's not that because what happens what happens after what happens after the civil war these these Jim Crow, bro. These, well no not even the south what happens in the north what happens in the union states the you know the enlightened north that that is wanting these people to be free and is oh. wanting you know I, you know, I would that, like to see a, a study on, on lynchings post-Civil War in, in North and South. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, just all of the gentrification of the northern cities uh, shows exactly, like, the attitude of the North. Like, it wasn't some kind of, like, oh, we know better and our way of life is clearly superior to yours, so we have to correct this atrocity that you're doing. I think that that's usually where it goes when people say that the Civil War was fought over slavery. It wasn't fought over some kind of like social injustice or something like that. Um, did you um, did you watch the uh, Abraham Lincoln um, Lincoln with Daniel Day Lewis? Uh, I did not. So this is this dude's intro. Oh, good lord! This dude, Tom, <laughs> Tom Ritchie's his name, but dude's cracking me up. What is? Let me teach you a little bit what more. What is that painting in the back? I don't, it says dance like a penguin, though. I don't know. And he has like multiple. So like, like this is what I'm trying. Like, like I yeah. could do this in my office. <laughs> so yeah. Do you have like a a head of? Is that a David head? What is that? What's up with the messed up? I don't know. Nose? I love how he's drinking Lily Flower. Tea. Yeah, he's always. So what I'm trying to do on the production side is get to where this pulls up in the corner of the video without me having to edit it in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You don't. You don't. I could literally. Like, watch how it. he skirts over Joan of Arc right here. And then a girl finds a sword in the field. <laughs> We're watching um, Tom Ritchie's. Uh, Louis the Fourteenth video on YouTube. If anybody wants to watch it, <laughs> <laughs> watch this. Watch this. Here's good. <laughs> They're not <laughs> important. <laughs> pants. Put on some pants. That's excellent. 
<laughs> this goes right no, back into <laughs> but yeah this dude keeps me interested because literally he does every major topic a little bit more in depth than my book does it so i can uh i can get on some of his lectures every now and then and like get some filler right it, for just like another just kind of like an overview source yeah so. if you're gonna be a dynamic uh prof professor or orator you've got to surround yourself with other people doing that kind of stuff like it's yeah. like the master apprentice thing like you can't coach yourself yeah, You've exactly. Have, you know, and uh, that's like, I mean, a lot of, I've been talking with Jeff Woods a fair amount about teaching my class. I mean, the way do I do my or... test uh, or uh, not, no, the, my, in my history class, but what, the way I, t the way I do the tests, the way I do the lectures, the way I do the PowerPoints, everything, it's just an amalgamation of all the favorites ways that all of my mentors and professors over the years have done things. Sure. Like I read you the whole test the day before you take it just like Charlie Bush did. I think that's so kind. Yeah. And then the um, people that don't show up for that are idiots. And yeah. I tell them about it. Like there's one that's time so a guy funny. didn't show up for like two days and I, he's like walked up and he had like all his makeup work and he like gave it to me and I'm like, you suck. Makeup And he work. was like, I'm sorry. So I had, so check this out. Here's what kind of sucks. That's kind of you. I didn't, ma yeah, well, it's, it's like, I just, I, I'm like, look, you guys, you got to get me these assignments in, okay? Like, I don't want to um, have to, I just want to give everybody 100% on the homework so I don't have to physically grade it. <laughs> so they make me give 300 points of essentially, like, some people just call it attendance, but, like, participation. But then that the only two things they make you use in Blackboard is attendance checking and um, the grade book. So I have to give 300 bullshit points to everybody. See, I just, I feel like what I want to do is just teach a, a survey class at World Civ 1 or 2 at Tech and just like set up my, my online class to say, and you could do this in a physical class doing lectures, but just say, okay, here are online, here are all of my, all of your assignments. Uh, there will be, you know, an essay test uh, you know, at this time, you have to have this assignment done by, and you could just say like, all of those assignments need to be done by the end of the semester. Good luck. Have these three <coughs> papers into me by by. Well, what this I do date, this date, this date. is I, I assign them these little twenty. Um, hey, you touch your own mic stand, okay? I will. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I have to give them these three hundred points, so I'm just like, hey, write me half a page over the French wars of revolution, uh, wars of religion. And they're like, okay, and then they just like. Go and like I, I talked about syphilis a whole bunch and and the transatlantic <laughs> trade, uh, slave trade and uh, uh, the Columbia Exchange and everything, because a lot of people think syphilis came that. And then I said to wait into. So do you know where the powdered wig comes from? I don't. Okay, so Louis the Fourteenth, the Sun King, you say, had okay, syphilis. Okay. And um, Does syphilis his make you go it bald? makes your hair thin. Ah. Like yeah. it, like uh, okay. like horrible comb over style, and they wanted to have you know, so like our question, kind of hair. Bigger question now is Parliament, like and that. So it became it became a tradition, but it started. Louis apparently was the first person sure. to come up with the idea of the powdered wig, and then sure. other monarchs that were like his cousins and stuff. Start picking it up. Okay. Yeah, okay. someone said. So it's not to say that all of Parliament for the last three hundred years has just been. Yeah, well, I mean, syphilis. even in the even in America, people started wearing. Right. Yeah. Uh, it George became Washington a trend. Didn't have syphilis. I'm well, supposing. Well, Louis the Fourteenth would send these dolls, 
with all with like French wardrobes on them all throughout Europe, so people could keep up with the latest French fashions. Interesting. I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah. but crazy. Um, Obviously, it, not. I didn't get it. This doll, dude, uh, he talks about. I think it's um, Charles the Second. I can't remember, but he's like, and Charles the Second dies and leaves no heir because he's what we call. Inbred level five, <laughs> and he's like, "See," and da, 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 and he like breaks down, and he's like, "So Charles was sterile." Moving on, <laughs> like just I'm like, and he's like, "At some point, Mother Nature just cuts you off, and you're done. You're done. There is no you're inbred level six. <laughs> but have far. you seen some of the Habsburg rulers and how their jaws were? Aren't those yeah, I mean, it's like pretty much all. Of, I mean, have you seen the current Prince of Wales? No. Uh, the people like. What's his name? The British. Uh, what? What is, is it, it Prince Harry? No, that's that's the other. I don't know. Oh, is that is he currently the? I was going to type in Prince of Wales. The Duke of Cornwall. Let's do do that. Charles, Prince of Wales. Charles. Is that? Am I, who am I thinking of? I always get these. Is that, is that guy? Yeah, that's. that's he does have one. a little bit of a well, bug I mean, Joel. Oh a, yeah, right there for sure. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Look at any Prominent of the royal chin. family actually at this point, and you just you look at three generations, and you're like, oh. Yeah, that's just trying to... And then you listen to some of the older ones talk, and it gets a little interesting. Yeah. See, that's, man, I just, like, I really want to be able to... Love them. Love the royal family. The bottom of the video. Love, love the royal family. I think it's Charles II. I want to show you a picture of him. He's pictured in the book, and they talk about his inbredness. Maybe it's not Charles II. Maybe it was Louis the Thirteenth. Yeah, well, here's the thing, kids. Uh, there's no way that you can keep up with all the names, considering Charles the Second happens in what, like four there's different European Charles countries. Get over it. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. say Habsburg Dynasty. King Jaw. <laughs> King Jaw. Uh, the first thing that came up the was uh, okay. Yes, it is. Um, the family in Spain that displayed three generations of the Habsburg jaw, there's actually a name for it. Oh. Uh, and I'm trying to f see who is pictured here yeah. because this is who I was wanting to talk yeah. about. Um, Indubitably. Do you know who this person is? Well, as soon as I see a picture. Uh, uh, no. I'm pretty sure it's a man. Not by face. Habsburgs were a though, dynasty a that brought suffering and eventual ruin on themselves through inbreeding. Their most famous feature was the Habsburg jaw. In the 1980s, a family in Spain with similar facial features gave scientists a better look at a very old genetics puzzle. 1660s, a Habsburg, that's like right where I'm at right now in my class. Habsburg's family was immensely powerful, and they had slowly but surely consolidated parts of what is now Germany, the Netherlands, Belgium, and Spain. So I'm about to have the wars of the Spanish succession. Um into an empire, and by 1700, it would all end. Yeah. Part was due to the natural ebb and flow of power, and it stemmed from marriage. So how are you? So how are you dealing with um, Islam in both like? Uh, Bro, African that is not Western Civ, okay? Well, okay. So we kick them out, and that's the only way we deal with it. That's what the book <laughs> said, man. I'm just paraphrasing. So like, there, no, there's just there are two points of contact at least. Three, really. Later on, as you get into World War One. Uh, three of them, but there are two points of contact, i.e. Spain, mm -hmm. heavily Spain. Yeah, they, it, and it, and it is crazy how it gets skirted and, over and, a little bit. And uh, the Muslim slave trade out of Africa over a thousand-year period. Don't even hit on it. Don't even touch it. Not but even, it, everything, everything with day, this book... We have nothing to do with the, the, the massive but it's amounts only, of millions um, of slaves pulled out of Africa... By, by the Muslims. By but the it's only within, um, it's because they don't consider the Muslims part of the Western world. That's the difference in Western Civ and World Civ. Is this one of those racism, colorism things? Gotta I'm, be. I'm really upset it's about It's a community this. college, bro. We can't. 
you know, can't get too upset. Um, well, I think um, I think we should pause and go pee pee. Okay, I'm down. Even if I only use it for mobile podcast. Yeah. All right, we're back. Just goes. Hey, we're back live. So um, recorded live. We're we're all over the place, uh, but we yeah. were somewhere on mainland Europe. Yeah, we uh, Pamplona. I made it to the running of the bulls, and that was really my first real experience with homelessness. Uh, was like Pamplona, like for the the whole like you being homeless. Yeah, sleeping outside and shit. Yeah, Damn. for um, for the whole month of july basically or whatever when the rain of the bulls is happening it's just like a circus of like the bus station is just packed and there's no room at any inn in town anywhere so people are just camped out in parks any space that has grass on it anything like you didn't that. get molested or anything did you i didn't That's that i am aware of thankfully although <laughs> funny funny uh, uh story uh, in Spain, I was at a bus station, and a guy who didn't speak very much English at all just kind of hand gestured me, and it was like, "Oh, come here!" I was like, "Okay," and I'm I'm a trusting person. I've got time. Then he threw my you bus. in the back of his van. He didn't, uh, but he did offer me money to do something with my penis or something. I don't know. And I eighty euros is a lot, but it was not enough for me. So to he show. wanted to pay you. That was the idea, and it was something like he kept gesturing towards my crotch, and I was like, mm, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm, I'm out, and I walked back to my bus, uh, but that was interesting. Yeah. So I guess I've been propositioned for some kind of sexual activity, but I'm not. I Maybe did, he was I a pimp. I don't think so. Maybe he wanted to get you into male prostitution to be maybe. your pimp. Yeah, maybe. So you could uh, be as long as no one stable. really touched me or looked at me. He was stable enough. I'd be okay with it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So that did happen in Spain, but that was uh, oh, probably a week or two after Pamplona. But yeah, like my first two nights, I slept on cardboard down in the lower section of the bus station. Damn. And then I was like, see ya. And I went to Madrid and stayed a night with somebody I had met. So I stayed in northern Spain, just outside of Santander, just outside, like an hour outside of, in a nice, cozy little Spanish mountain village small town it was cool um with the dad of somebody i know and and then through him i met another guy who lives in madrid and apart so i slept on the floor of his apartment and uh, his bedroom in his apartment that he shared with somebody and then i went to toledo and put up my hammock in old old part of toledo which is a beautiful walled city just got you know old mosques and synagogues and churches all over the place in that place it's it's you go to italy I'll get there. Okay, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, you know, you said mosques in uh, synagogues and stuff. I'm like, yes, yes, Renaissance art. Yeah, Renaissance art. Uh, I just kind of was like, okay, and I'd take a bus to the next place, and I try to like time the bus to be like kind of overnight as much as I could. I went down to Sevilla and then came up the coast. About Barcelona, I I hit up a few places. It was so hot in Sevilla, by the way. It's super hot. And it's not the best place to try and sleep outside. But I didn't have to because that night came along and I had been hanging out with this group of backpackers from like Canada or up north somewhere. And uh, By backpackers, you mean motorcycle gang? No, what I mean is uh, these guys who had just graduated college and they were like Euro adventuring. Euro trip. Sure. Anyways, uh, the hostel they were staying at had like a, like a balcony uh, thing on the roof. And I just slept up there that night. 
I had said, hey, would you guys hold on to my bag while I sleep outside? And they did that. But I ended up sleeping on that roof that night. And so I woke up early and went and got my bag from them and took off from there. That was excellent. I was, I was a, because sleeping outside is terrifying. Sleeping homeless is terrifying. But slept on the beach in Malaga, Spain. Where someone tried to you take my bag. Oh that was wow, that was interesting. That was really probably the fourth or fifth night outside. Like while while you're sleeping. Yeah, yeah, it was right next to my head, and the, my straps hit the cardboard I was sleeping on on the beach. Sand, cardboard, so you don't get sand everywhere. That's very cute. Yeah, and you didn't have any weapons or anything. I didn't. No, and uh, well, I did have a knife at that point, but it was in the bag. So were my glasses, my passport, and everything else. Damn. He grabbed it. He was like thirty feet away from me. By the time I was on my feet and out of my sleeping bag, and he just s- turned around and dropped my bag. And I was just so thankful for that. But, like, I went from in mummy sleeping bag to out and on my feet and squared off at this guy about to sprint in, like, no time. Just no time passed. That's your whole life in that yeah, bag, dude. Exactly. That and would I didn't, suck. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I was going to run after him. I would, be, you know, drop kick him or something. But, I, you know. So Bay dropped it, and there it was, and I like tied it off to me, and I started being able to sleep on my back, which I had never done before this trip, with my bag underneath my knees, which is actually a pretty good yeah. position. Like, I like once you get used I put to a it. pillow underneath my legs a lot if I'm Absolutely. sleeping on my back. Absolutely. I got used to uh, benches and like taking trains and stuff through like Central Europe, like France, Germany, Austria, Italy. You, I slept on a lot of train platforms on benches, and I, you know, that's how I did it, and it was actually pretty comfortable. It's a good way of doing it. Anyways, Barcelona got a rail pass, and I just started using trains for two months. I got a two-month rail pass and went up through, uh, what are those, the, and- the Andes? Is that the – no, the Andes are in South America. Uh, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> yeah. Appalachian? Nope, that's <laughs> that's it. Damn it. So that's on our side of the coast. Why? Because, like, when I took geography from, of Europe, it matches yeah, up with the Appalachians. I don't remember what the mountain Spain, range is. From Spain to France, there's this mountain range that, that splits them apart. And there's actually, like, an independent we country suck. in there. And it's like Andalusia or something like that. Um, Andalusian Mountains, maybe? I don't, I don't know. The Pyrenees? Does that sound correct? Yeah. Uh, yes, it kind of does. Um, so uh, it is the Pyrenees. Pyrenees yes. Mountains. Anyways, just Mountain riding. range that separates the Iberian Peninsula from the rest of Europe. Stretch of more than 430 kilometers between Spain and France, rising higher than 3,400 meters in elevation. High control. Blah, blah, blah. I suggest going to Barcelona, getting on a train, and taking the train towards Toulouse. But every time you see a small, quaint little train stop, get off. And just walk around and camp if you have to, you know, like just whatever. Did you camp a lot? Did you ever have a tent at I any never point? had a tent. I did get a, a roll mat from some, some kids who, in, in, in Greece, but that was much later. I did get a sleeping roll mat, but that, yeah. was, that was much later. But, yeah, so I went from Barcelona to Toulouse and just like that whole section of period. Oh, man, it's beautiful. It's mind-blowing. And then southern France is gorgeous as well. So do you feel like going on this big trip experience kind of prepared you for like when shit really goes down? Yeah. You're going to you're gonna know you can survive because you have survived? I think uh, a big way of – a big part of how I deal with my depression these days or a big way of like, man, I'm, I'm 30 – uh, I'm unmarried. I have no children. I have no actual career. All of the social expectations that are on me are on me still. Um, and I like, just what do you like? What do you mean by social expectations? Uh, 
I'm the oldest of the oldest, you know. Uh, I, my, my parents don't have grandchildren right now. They probably won't for a while. Like, there's just all of these kind of, like, social expectations of, like, I should be having kids. I should be married. I should be financially stable, question mark, or at least independent, financially independent. Dude, let me tell you something, bro. You're more financially stable than I am. I mean, I, I, like, we're stable. We, we are able to do essentially what we want. Right. But, like, yeah, I have, like, uh, I don't know five times more student loans than you. Sure. Two mortgages. But that's the way that life works. Health right insurance now. is five hundred dollars a month. People people in your position though, like you you you've put a lot I don't know all the financial like lingo for it, but you like you're you've got a lot on the line, but you've also got more capital coming you got in. Got a lot of diversification. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you've got a lot of capital to capital to work with that's coming in and you know, you're paying things down and you're able to do a lot. Whereas like my, my method of like, I'm not spending anything that I don't have is like, I don't have a lot, so I can't do a lot. Whereas you can do a lot and you go into debt. Yeah. I tell people that a lot. Like it's, uh, people always say that fucking bullshit about money doesn't buy happiness, but you know what? Money buys experiences, and experiences can make you happy. Right. Well, money gives you the ability. I wouldn't say that it outright buys it, but it took me four hundred dollars for a one-way ticket to London. I, you know, I spent. But yeah, yeah, you bought a one-way too, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no way out. Um, and over those eight, eight, eight months, I spent of my own money seven thousand dollars, and that includes that four hundred dollars. Um, it does not include the ticket home which I split with some money my parents gave me and a group of people that I had met help, helped me get home at the end of that. Uh, the, the trip, I think, it taught me a lot about, like, minimalism and about, mm -hmm. like, what I need to, li to, to live. And life here is just so complicated. Maybe life just in a lot of developed nations is just so complicated and most of the time, I just like I just want a place to live, and I want a source of income to do th the things that I love to do. But then, I personally get into a situation of like I'm, I'm not really sure what those are because I love traveling, and that kind of gets pricey after a while. Um, I wish I could, I wish I could do a blog and make money that way, but I don't have the energy to do a blog. I I can barely check my email. Let's see how what my number is up to right now. 4,338 unread messages. Dude, I haven't even put the email back on my phone I yet. Mean, it's just not even... Why? Uh, why? It's yeah. Spam. Spam. I know, man. It wears me out. Then, too, what, what wears me out now is I'm getting these... Um, I get tons of spam calls because my business line's uh, my cell phone. Hmm. And... Uh, now they're calling from like local numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, warranty services. Yeah, or, it's yeah. insane. Love it. So, local cell phone numbers. Have you have you gotten a call from Timothy Churchill? No, a Timothy Churchill, but yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's got the exact same voice as some other guy whose name I haven't heard enough to remember. <laughs> but Timothy Churchill calls me at least twice a month. Yeah, no, we get it's we get stuff like that. It's clearly just a computer voice. That Some people um, are calling you to rip you off on voice signatures. They sure. ask you yes or no questions yeah, and your address. Yes. And it's crazy. It's happened to us, and somebody actually stole our uh, business corporate card through that oh, really? process. Yeah, That's three crazy. times. Three times. Corey was answering the phone, and they uh, had this big elaborate thing, and they would they'd be like, uh, in like, um, oh well, yeah. Um, What's your name? Are you the women's instructor? Oh, my, I'm Cora, you know. Um, do you teach the women's classes? Yes. 
Like, I mean, just trying to get you to say yes, no, yes, yeah. no, what your address is, your first name, your last That's name. That's pretty elaborate to kind of like It is, and they do those. it uh, as like a full-time job. It's almost like a panhandler for right. crazy. I mean, uh, it's, the world is so much more dangerous now that we've made it more convenient. But that's kind of the, hmm. you know, like you've, we've opened ourselves up to, to so many more like, like there's a scam right now, and I'm just going to blow it out in the open right now. You can, uh, I, <laughs> I just cringe at like the effects of this. Uh, you can go get a receipt from Walmart. Let's say you find a receipt in the trash from Walmart. Blowing out in the parking lot, yeah. Yeah, blowing out. Well, in the I actually lot. used to work at Walmart, so I may and know this. Uh, and it's for I don't know, like a bottle of aspirin, right? Like, and you go into Walmart <coughs> with that receipt in your back pocket. You pick up, go to the shelf, you pick up that bottle of aspirin. You take it to the returns counter with the receipt. They will give you cash for it. Yeah, that's ha- that's happened for now. Yeah. What people try and do too is they try and um, people sit out in Walmart parking lots all day. So, like the loss prevention department at every Walmart, they have an office. Usually, when you walk in the front, mm. there's like a random door right there, and it's usually the loss prevention office. Somebody's in there watching cameras and running reports all day, and they work really close to the local police. But um, and then they patrol the store and are always looking for thieves. Right. But uh, that is a, a major way of, scan, uh, of scamming. Uh, another way is like people get friends that are um, checkers mm. in any department or up front, yeah. and like they'll go buy some bullshit items, and then they'll get like something expensive, like an iPad or something like that. I mean, you know, you can't be an iPad; you have to get out of the case. But something more expensive that's not locked up, mm-hmm. and they yeah. just don't scan it. Oh, I see. But yeah. they put it in the in the deal, deactivate the thing on it. Uh, they they busted somebody at the Walmart I worked at. They busted a bunch of people for that after I, after the fact, like doing it. And they were doing it with stuff that was in the case. Then you got to worry about people in your shipping and receiving department. Yeah. As it comes off the truck. Yeah. Stealing it. Yeah. I knew some oh people no! That did it that. fell through the crack between the yeah. truck and the dock into my backpack. Yeah. Oops. Exactly. Oh, this is broken and that's broken. I'm just gonna throw them in behind the dumpster so I can come back and get them later. Yep. Yeah. But man, there's kind of always somebody watching. Those yeah. people uh, like know all this stuff that right. are working in loss prevention. So it's that stuff's crazy. Like I've never thought about that kind of things. I thought I was intelligent until like you know I've I met homeless people running scams on these corporations. I was like, this is genius. This is <laughs> this is pure genius. Who thinks of that about this? Dude, somebody to that Dan Carlin I was telling you about to this today in that talk. Uh, was say, saying like, what if Alexander the Great had a podcast? Mm. Imagine how much we would know. You should start a podcast. Like that was his, because thinking like five hundred years, how much more we'll know if the digital world doesn't blow up or something? Oh, it surely will. Yeah, that's the next biggest bubble. Yeah, I mean, the Industrial Revolution. Dude, the printing press, how big of a deal is the fucking printing press? Pretty big deal, right? Some people yeah. argue that it was more influential in like uh, than the internet. I can't really agree with that statement, but at the time? Well, I think time will tell. Uh, the, the internet has been pretty influential, but it's also had some, well, I mean, I guess the printing press has had some negative effects as well. Um, but I think the internet positive effects. They say the reason Martin Luther didn't get like uh, burned at the stake as a heretic is because even though he did at the Diet of Worms, uh, he did get kind of... That's kinda, diet of worms for worms, everyone else? Worms. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, 
He did get excommunicated from the church. Yeah, at, they were pissed uh, at him. By, um, was it Charles V or something? I can't remember. The Holy Roman Emperor at the time. Mm-hmm. What a weird balance of power with, like, you have your monarchs, your Holy Roman Emperor, and the Pope. Yeah, what, a, what an interesting time in Central Europe. Yeah. You know? But so he gets excommunicated, and they said the printing press is in, like, the spread of his ideas and him translating the Bible after that. Yeah, funny what happens. Like he had when a cartoonist on staff, too. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, funny, like, when you can get the masses to know what you're saying, now there's accountability to the monarch when he, like, presses charges against you. Spread of ideas, man. You know, like, if Socrates had had a, a larger audience— you know, where people were like... Socrates? Yeah, Socrates. Uh, then, you know, when Athens brought charges against him, they, people would be like, no, that's not true. We heard him. You know, you know well, you know what I love being an Which elit- is why elitist Jesus- philosopher about when it comes to Socrates? People would be like, well, Socrates said, and I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. Socrates never wrote anything, so right. how do you know what he said? And they're like, oh, well, uh, and then I got to tell yeah. him you gotta about tell the Plato him. dialogues. You gotta- Sorry, you gotta, thank you, thank you, Plato, for speaking through your your teachers. Yeah, but uh, but what do you think but about the idea that Socrates say, might not have existed? Well, I mean, what do you think about Pythagoras not ever existing? I don't think about it. Okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's about where I stand with Socrates as well. Oh man, but, I mean, um, that's why that's why they tried Jesus at night because too many people had heard what Jesus was actually saying, and they would have never gotten that you know, that kind of trial to go through if they hadn't held it at three in the morning. So let me see if you can offer some clarification on this. So even Martin Luther, super, I mean, maybe not super, super, but he was, yeah, okay, super anti-Semitic. That's what I was going to say. So, like, explain to me, so, like, I didn't take history of Christianity, I did, and, um, but I was a couple classes from religious studies minor, but I really wouldn't needed that course to put some things in context i feel like that's i don't think i feel like that and now i would have enjoyed that in the reformation Mm, yeah in hindsight i took the renaissance i got robbed on my reformation class in seminary like because of curriculum change we can go into that later personally but like i got robbed like i i was looking forward to my church history and reformation class and Mm -hmm. it became something else that vaguely covered reformation stuff i'm just like yeah, it, I, and when I delved into it this time around, I was super fascinated by yeah. it. And when I was younger, I was not at all. I made my last four papers in that class about Reformation, like predestination. Well, where, okay, so I've heard people joke about this on both sides of the fence. But is it historical manipulation or what? So it's like you have Jesus' trial. And like what, the Jewish section just yelled louder? Uh, like what? There was no non-Jewish section, <laughs> I think. Is the, uh, okay, yeah. okay. So, but where where does all of this, like historically speaking, anti-Semitism come from? Yeah, and um, how is it that rampant in the 1500s? Well, I think in the Martin 1500s, you've got you don't just have like theological or historically religious like powers at play there. Like you've got, I mean, you've got Jews lending people money. You, I mean, like Merchant of Venice style, mm-hmm. you know, taking people's money and kind of stuff. Um, I mean, and it's a it's an interplay. Like, uh, I mean, whoever shot first, whatever happens. You, then you've got you know like Christians and Jews in the same synagogue, and then like Jews wanting Christians out of their synagogue. They're not like us because they're losing identity, you know. And so, 
there becomes friction there, and then like Rome takes over Christianity, or Christianity takes over Rome, however you want to look at it. And there are persecutions of not only pagan religions, but people who are refusing. To well, and I mean, in Jesus the same right, Martin Luther Messiah. called the Pope the Antichrist like all the time. You know, so we will we will not comment necessarily on particular popes, but yeah, pretty much. You know what a weird word to me is. <laughs> that one too, papacy. Papacy, right? The, yeah. the, the, you the, the papist. Pa- I know, right? Any any conjugation, papist, papacy, papal. Papal. <laughs> yeah, I love the papal. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. No, but but there are many. I think there are a lot of like fifteenth, fourteenth century, fifteenth century politics, like social politics, going on uh, in the Reformation that are are like super. They're so far outside of and removed from religious or theological reasons, like the Jews affect well, what's culturally. Crazy? Yeah, that's which, same, which that. is you know it's fed by a whole history of like maybe religious and social interaction and butting heads and and friction and stuff. And the Jews not ever really having political power, so they're always kind of like in that fight between the dominant culture and the Jews, especially rabbinic Judaism. Like they're constantly getting the raw end of the deal, but still hanging out or going somewhere else and then pissing some other people off somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy to me how all throughout history they have been persecuted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just never goes away. Yeah. Like, like the whole, like I never, uh, so there's a really good movie out there you may have seen. It's got Brendan Fraser in it. Um, what is it called? Uh, are we talking about the mummy? No, but <laughs> that one's good too. It's, um, it's school ties, I think. Uh, uh-uh, nothing. But he's a Jewish kid, and he goes to this college on a, a – but it's um it's a Christian college or like a Catholic college or something on a scholarship. And um, it, it's it like early on when he first – and he's like the star quarterback. Yeah, it is called School Ties. I thought it was good. Okay, uh, when David Green receives a football scholarship to a prestigious prep school in the 1950s, he feels pressure to hide the fact that he's oh, Jewish from his classmates and teachers, fearing they might be anti-Semitic. Is so he he's kind of paranoid. But the very first, I don't remember the school he goes to, but the very first like scene when he gets there, they're like, like one of the guys is like, oh, you fucking Jew, or something like that, <laughs> like says like, just like, but... Like oh, just like not not like a common cultural issue. phrase, really. Right. Uh, and and he he's just like he hears that and he's like, oh man, they know, they you know, know. It, yeah. It, but it's an interesting thing to think about uh, to me that that's um, how many phrases are like that, like uh, that you just I never knew, I never yeah. thought about that. I heard from the time I was a kid. I tell people frequently. I remember the first racist jerk joke I heard about um, O.J. Simpson when I was a little kid. Okay. But um I'm not aware you get of any OJ Simpson racist jokes or but you any get OJ in, jokes at all. Yeah, it was a, it was a, about um it was a skunk thing and half black, half white. But anyway. I don't it was a racist joke about his kids, even oh, worse. So yeah. um about his kids being mixed. But uh what's wrong with being mixed? Nothing. Okay. But but at the same time, I was hearing that as a kid. Right. Just like I'm saying, I'm indoctrinated by a kid going to the flea market with my dad, and he'd be like, yeah, I'm going to Jew him down. Yeah, get him. Like, that that sort of stuff, and, like, where historically those phrases come from and how those are pretty much anti-Semitic remarks. Yeah. I, I wonder. They they can carry I'm, – I'm a little bit too close. They can carry a lot of, like, like frustration, like, because of – how one culture deals with another culture, mm-hmm. like financially or in certain social situations, they gain a reputation. And 
it's descriptive, perhaps accurately descriptive, and yet the way that it's used may be derogatory, it may be just, you know, factual. And usually it has, like, this element of, like, oh, you know, and it's always about stereotypes, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. Jews, they'll always get the best price on something. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's not terribly far off. Why would you off. not like, want to do that? I mean, like, you know, uh, a lot of my Jewish friends are very financially savvy. And, you know, the Jewish community really, like, looks after itself, like, financially as well, like... If you're a young Jewish person or a convert, do you think that has like, to do with like their, their ethics? I think so. I th- as a yeah. people, because and I'll say like I that. wouldn't even say biblical ethics necessarily so much as it's very important to all most Jews that the Jewish people do well, and so the financially community, wealthy Jews are willing to support and help and give resources to seeing other younger Jews flourish and succeed. Any any um church institution i see that is very big on pushing life skills mm-hmm. typically is a super strong denomination yeah absolutely and like i will say this i will say this that is why one of the main reasons why scientology is such a big religion right mm-hmm. now is because mm-hmm. it pushes those um those life skills so big on the front end mm-hmm. of just like basics like wash your hands mm-hmm. don't drive drunk this is why like, mormon the mormon church is so yeah, that's another great because example. they do community so well. Like, oh, you're you're Mormon and you need someone to help you move. Just call the church for, you know, 40 people in a truck will be there tomorrow at whatever time you need. Yeah, they won't know you. They'll have no tie to you other than they're Mormon. Well, and I mean, is that not in a in a big way, though? What a community should be like. I, I, I've said like my roommate in California was a big Mormon file like. Mormophile, whatever. He was like, Mormon. No, he wasn't. But he 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 loved the theology and stuff like that. And he See, I, that's an, what I was. He wanted to be like a like an apologist or like a. He wanted to teach at Brigham Young, really, and he wanted to teach. Yeah, like he loved it. I wonder how many no, if they have non-Mormon professors at BYU. I should ask. You know, I'm going to have. Um, I'm going to have a guy that I believe is a. I'm, I'm for fairly positive he's part of the Mormon priesthood mm-hmm. who's going to be on the podcast. I doubt we talk about Mormonism that much. Right. But, I mean, I saw him yesterday. Like, he's a super good dude. Like, yeah. that's just it. I was telling you, one of my friends is a Scientologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have several friends that are Mormon, and it's like, sure. I'm not I- either of those, but, like, we're still great friends, and, like, yeah. I, I don't really feel like they're judging me or I'm judging them either one, and it's like we get along fine. Yeah, interesting how that works. I, I keep telling me and my ex roommate John agree that like the Mormon Church does community a little bit better than the Christian Church any any denomination the Christian Church mm-hmm. I'm sorry Church of Latter Day Saints I don't consider them Christian but uh, oh yeah some people wouldn't either um, I think that that they have it in the name though <laughs> it's in the name Church of Latter Day Saints Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints yeah yeah yeah. Christ equals Christian. Well, not necessarily, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you've been to seminary. I'm going to just take your expert opinion. But it is, you know, it is uh, interesting to hear all these opinions. That's one of the reasons I started a podcast. It's like I want to have extreme people people on other sides of the fence. Like, you know, I want to have a super anti-Trump person on, and then I want to have a super pro-Trump person on. Can I be both? I want to be both. Yes, you wear a different, like, wear, like, do, like, a red bandana one time, like, a blue one the next. Interesting. Like Democrats or Republicans. Yeah, or, like or Crips and Bloods. It's, it's either one. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <coughs> what, it, what What is the color of the, do they have a color, the Democrats? Yeah, it's blue. Is it, and, blue and, and red. Yeah. It's blue and red. That's what I thought. Crips and Bloods. 
Yep. A lot of symbology there, yes. undoubtedly. Illuminati. Uh, so do you know, uh, according to my research, you're the first person to uh, kind of come up with the concept of the Illuminati, New World Order, higher powers. And no, go the, on. Yeah, Aleister Crowley. Why does that name sound familiar? Who's it? Mr. Crowley. Ozzy Osbourne song. Oh. Um, also, I don't know if that's the pitch of how it goes or whatever. I haven't heard it forever, but it's, it's Ozzy Osbourne song. I heard it in junior high for the first time. Mm. Um, but um, Aleister You're Crowley, he uh, led uh, Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin was obsessed with Aleister Crowley. He was a cult figure. I mean, a cult figure, like O C C U L T in England. And he went and studied in Europe and started his own religion called Thelema or Thelema. And um, like L. Ron Hubbard, who founded Scientology, studied and was a part of one of his organizations that he had started. Interesting. Um, very interesting because um, all of Led Zeppelin's stuff is kind of... Um, in the strain. Yeah, and two, so I just found this out. Unfortunately, do you like Led Zeppelin? Stairway of Heaven. Uh, Stairway yeah, to heaven. well, good thing you don't like that one because it was, it was, yeah. Really yeah. ruins it all for me. Well, uh, that one was plagiarized with about 19 others. Okay. So they ripped off uh, up to 20 songs. Okay. Well, that that was a terrible song. I yeah. Can well, I say that online? Is, is that I mean, it's thing? definitely like my least favorite song. Oh, I, I don't do know why like everybody it. likes it as so much. As soon as it comes on, I'm just like, oh. Uh, yeah, what is it? Wayne's World where he starts playing the intro and then somebody's like, <coughs> <laughs> Points up to science, <laughs> like no stairway to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, so, but uh, all the symbols you see on like Led Zeppelin's uh, album covers and stuff, like mm -hmm. the Trinity-looking symbol mm -hmm. and uh, sure. Zoso, those are all Crowleyisms. They're all these uh, symbols of Aleister Crowley, and he's wrote all these crazy books. Let's see what the internet says do about we, Aleister Crowley. Do we think Crowley. that Crowley invented these symbols, or that he's repurposed them? Because he repurposed are, them, yeah, yeah, for sure. Symbology, tend, you know, symbols tend to. Extend real far into the past. This, uh, yeah, and he was he studied a lot. So his his name is spelled A L E I S T E R. Alistair Crowley was an English occultist, ceremonial magician, poet, painter, novelist, and mountaineer. I'm just trying to figure out if this is the inspiration he, for Anton uh, Lavey, because it was. I was thinking the TV show Supernatural, um, and Look Crowley that, who becomes the king. He's of wearing Hell. like a leopard cape. With this crazy thing, it looks kind of like a Egypt pharaoh. Yeah, he's got that pharaoh hat going. It's wild, dude. That is a uh, man. That's Aleister Crowley. So he's the guy that apparently is this also Aleister Crowley? <laughs> this is in the same boy, Aleister Crowley. Yeah. So he has all these crazy. So what I want to do now is uh, so I've been researching Aleister Crowley and Led Zeppelin, how they were inspired by him. But now, since I know Led Zeppelin ripped off twenty songs, like I hate Tony Robbins because that motherfucker plagiarized. Anton Lavey, okay, so that's yeah, who that the is. dude who started uh, like Satanism. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah it was inspired by. They say with no, if there was no Aleister Crowley, there may not have been a Scientology. There may not have been a Satanism. Oh well, not saying that now we know which point we go back in time to. Yeah, but this is this guy is just kind of like a, a super interesting uh, figure to um, yeah to study. Isn't that weird? Like, who would have thought that like that one man would have had that kind of effect on? He looks kind of like Uncle Fester, doesn't a he? A little bit. Yeah, huh. I was thinking that as well. Uh, just how just how random that like that's. That was his effect on the world. This dude was into like pee pee and stuff. Like he thought if you like you pee peed on him, that it would give him special powers mm, and, like and stuff like that. No, but like all of yeah, 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 kind of. Um, but just like had all of these weird uh, 
maybe not weird. I don't know views on like the power of sex. Interesting. Oh, okay. Like that, like like multiple people having sex and like sure. doing dirty sex things. Yeah. And, you know, kind of like the the precursor to new age spiritualism, <clears throat> like so kind of harnessing the natural energies of the world. Let's see, yes, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, um, when he was in course. Egypt, he wrote this thing called the Book of the Law. Uh, then um, he studied in China. Cool. That's the same. The thing late. that's interesting so that, too that, about that, uh, um, that title is copyrighted already. The Book of the Law. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Has been for a thousand or so. Uh, L. L. Ron so Hubbard uh, apparently studied all of these different. I um, eat this banana. There you go, bro. I mean, I think he's kind of funny there on the end. Right. Oh, dude, I would have tore that off. <laughs> um, is that a moist one? No. I was just more. trying to say Once moist. Once you get past some moist. Yeah, the the first bite was definitely a moist bite. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I'm fascinated by um, these figures. Like, that's like, there's all of these monarchs I talk about in like, mm. my world history class right now, and it's like only a quarter of them are memorable, yeah. you know? And it's like <laughs> there's so many other figures in history that are super memorable that you don't get to pay lip service to or time time mm -hmm. spent on very much. I th I'm I'm fascinated. I would love to do a, a series of podcasts on the two topics. After I do this 1968 project, it's going to be what I delve into next. But like history of the occult, history of drugs. Hmm. Let's do an, do like a ten episode run on ten different cults that have formed. Drugs like would be Jonestown. Going back in time, like see how different opiates have been used. Yeah, I would even want to do one over oils. I know that's mm. not really a drug, but yeah. well, it depends. Yeah. Um, so you you were homeless. I was in um, in Europe, Spain. I think out of the uh, three months that I spent in mainland Europe, like between Spain, France, Germany, Italy, Greece, Romania, Bulgaria, Hungary, how many countries did you go to, dude? Uh, all total, somewhere around twenty something. Wow. Yep. Uh, in seven months, you said seven and a half. Seven and a half months, yeah. You know, really, really, within six months, because the last. Month and a half. Did you like meet any? Like, did you meet any females while you're over there? So you had a girlfriend while you're over there. You didn't like mm. marry and get divorced, or like, we well, already established you did not become a gay prostitute. I didn't. But uh, you had the opportunity. I had the opportunity in Spain. That's true. Uh, no, I was. I still just had one contact back home, and I had started thinking real early on. Man, when I get home, I'd really like to date this person. I think, and so. So did that work out? Yeah, we started dating, and then she broke up with me, you know, uh, spring of 2014. So we started dating in spring of 2013. Well, that's about a year. Interesting. Yeah, there you go. That's yeah. fine. That's the, you know. And then you're just never the same, you know, like, once once you've said, hey, this is the person I want to get married to, and then it all kind of falls apart. And what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, you get into a rebound relationship that lasts for two or three years and is extremely, like, it's just like, I don't even like you. Why are we, hmm. why do we spend time together? Um, I think everybody's probably had one of those. She's never going to listen to this podcast. I don't care about that. Um, you never know, bro. No, there's no way. It's crazy. Some people I never thought would be listening to my podcast or listening to them. And and then like, like telling me that they listened to him, be like, yeah, I heard you say this. And I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Uh, you're the last person I would have thought to listen. And uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I love you. Does does Dr. Tarver listen to this? I don't know. Yeah, Michael. If he does. Shout out. Shout out. Um Did you come to my you came to my wedding? I did. Yeah. Out of the barn. Yeah, yeah you did. 
That was, that was like my the, first. Hey. That was my first Colby sighting since uh, high yeah, school. Dude, uh, I mean, don't I wouldn't be surprised that motherfucker came over today. Uh, but you know, I'm gonna I mean, upload this. I'm gonna upload today. this after the fact, yeah. so don't. He's not. He's gonna be home if you go by there. <laughs> if you know where he's at. If you know who we're talking about, which you probably don't. It's probably not that person. Muffin Beetle. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah. Got up into France. Got all up in there. Uh, did you go to Versailles? I did. I Sick. did go to Versailles. Paul I didn't walk the gardens, but I just walked through that entire chateau, and it was great. Dude, uh, they said when uh, Louis the Fourteenth had walked through the gardens, there'd have to be people run up ahead of him to like turn the sprinklers on, and then like people run behind him to turn them off. <laughs> so like with like be like Vegas when he walks by, they come on or whatever. Oh jeez. Super funny. What a pompous, arrogant son of a bitch. Yeah, I mean, really. Um. <laughs> but that dude, uh, that Tom Ritchie guy, pimping ain't easy. But you know what? <laughs> Louis the Fourteenth, he really made it look easy. Well, when you're, you know, when you're spending like your entire national budget on you. Yeah, isn't it crazy how? I mean, it did lead to the French Revolution or whatever. But France, had, France had just had all these wars and stuff go on, and then uh, Louis pops in and it's like, hey. Fuck the Calvinists. We're a Catholic nation. Fuck the Pope too. We're we're a Louis nation. Pope doesn't have any power here. Yeah. And we're Calvinists. I mean, it was. But it, there have been all of these turbulent. So like twenty percent of the population was not Catholic. Yeah. Well, I mean, that it was all bound to happen. When yeah. You, you know, you can take that all the way back to Constantine. What were you thinking? That remember, remember how many times uh, Krieger said that the, still they had not called the Estates General, <laughs> like like because they never called the Estates General. Louis' yeah. whole reign it's like yeah. 1614 was the last yeah. time Francis. Yeah, he just kind of basically said, "Hey, uh, you guys can go home." Well, how crazy and that's is it? it? You go from it's in post Reformation Europe, you have absolutism become a thing, which is basically dictatorship. It's yeah. a dictatorial Weird. Uh, type of. You rule. take away the monarchs, and then you get dictators. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm lecturing over Peter the Great next class, bro. Ooh, yeah. yeah. In Russia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sausages and vodka. All right. Hey. Rescuing the people from the ship and then dying. Remember, he like swam out oh, into the ocean. Did. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you should say sausages and vodka because when I was in Greece, I went to Thermopylae, which has a little hot cool. spring. Yeah. We'll just do the organic way of getting around to these stories. Um, has this little hot spring area, like spa thing that you can go to. Anyways, I'm in the parking lot of this thing, and it's all shut down. Like the the cliff face is like up on the mountain, and you've got like another mile until the the actual Mediterranean or Aegean, I guess at that point. So you know when you watch 300, and it's this sheer cliff face, a lot you of sedimentary. Uh, no, a lot of sedimentary deposit has created like a whole mile of land. To where that's not a cliff face anymore. It's a mountain that rolls down. Interesting. Goes. Yeah. So there is a hot spring there. and uh, That's uh, why they call it the hot gates. Yeah. Crazy. Um, Thermopolis. Yeah. Um, we just uh, we just watched 300 that night. Dude, if I'm not mistaken, we saw 300 at Pickwood together. We may have. I was I was slightly agitated when that movie came out. Cause we yeah. Were, no, we definitely saw it together. I remember was, you were pissed. It was just so frustrating because like... Like, how are you feel about Herodotus? Like, his account of the tale is, like, on some level authoritative, even if it wasn't five billion Persians or however many. That's what's crazy, too, is, like, how often the historians are, like, working with the state for the state. Right. 
like in the Middle East, for example, after the Mongols, like reading some of the accounts by the um, Islamic historians mm -hmm. talking about when uh, Genghis Khan took him over in three years, took over the entire Middle East in three years, um, like how they like come to terms with that, with like the amount of death yeah. that had happened is crazy. I mean, like they write a, they write about it like it's a, it's like a lamentation. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's very real when you read it. It yeah. just has. But <clears throat> sometimes when I read different accounts by Herodotus or even Josephus, yeah, I'm like, is there a monetary motive motive here? Well, I mean, yes and no, but that's a whole nother podcast for Josephus. But like, you know, you're talking about a, a Jew. In you know, in do you feel like you could do a whole episode on the Dead Sea Scrolls? Mm, not currently, not bet, off the top of my head. Bet Charlie Bush could. He Maybe. studied the Dead Sea Scrolls for like a year or something. What? Yeah. Is that why he was over in England? I don't know, dude. I know that him. <coughs> do you know he was a Green Beret? Yeah. No, he would talk about it's knife, knife training. instructor, yeah. bro. <laughs> he's like, you know, that they do like this. That's actually not a thing. Yeah. No, he, <laughs> he this way. people how to kill people with knives. Excellent. That's wild. Where was I? I was somewhere. Thermopylae, the Thermopylae, hot Thermopylae, right. I was, I was just pissed because, like, people watch movies and they implicitly pick up historical facts, air quotes, and then they, you know, they come around and they talk to me and say, oh, yeah, 300 Spartans. That I'm like, there were more than 300, and there were more Greeks than that there. Don't be an ignorant son of a... It was still impressive. Like, it's still a very impressive feat that happens. There's no reason to dial it up. And I get it. It's a, it's it's artsy and it's it's a kick-ass movie. I'll give them that. But like, I was more frustrated at the social consequences of that and having to deal with stupid people who, because most people don't get a good hi hi history education. Like they have no idea. I know, what man. It's, it's it's like Kikoro said. If you know, if you don't know what happened before you were born, you're you're doomed to forever be a child. You know. Ooh. Yeah. There you go. Nice quote. It's paraphrased, but that's that's what he says. Yeah. Probably well. puts it more eloquently since, you know, he was an orator. Hmm. Uh, so where'd you head after Thermopylae? Oh, so at Thermopylae, it's late. I'm getting eaten by mosquitoes. There are tons of mosquitoes at Thermopylae probably all the time, but especially at night. And there are these two truck drivers with their trucks pulled up, and they're out in camp chairs uh, with, like, a little gas stove, and they're out drinking. And I'm just like... And then I see them squirt, like, bug spray on them. I'm like, hey, could I get some of that? And they spoke a little bit of English, but they were Bulgarian truck drivers in Greece, stopped off for the No night. gestures to the, the penis area. No, none of that. But they That's were nice. eating sausage and drinking vodka. <laughs> and nice. not only did they share their bug spray, but they shared their vodka and, and food with me. And that was... Like two, me and two Bulgarian truck drivers in Greece eating sausage and drinking vodka into the night right outside the hot gates. Uh, wow. Peter the Great's, uh, you know. Favorite meal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, see, that's apparently what killed him is after he got, sure. uh, he got like hypothermia or whatever, after he got numb, but he went and drank all this vodka and sure. ate all these sausages. Which lowers and, your, yeah. Well, poor Pete. What are you going to do, man? Yeah. Dude, um, I like it's kind of weird. I drank a few beers the other night and like a shot of tequila, and then I'm actually, dude, it's weird. Like the last few times I've drank, I've felt like super, super weird. Like the last couple of times I've drank, but I fell well, asleep. Like morally like, conflicted, or 
Uh, no, like more like more like the next day, I guess you could say. But um, like phys- physiologically, like I don't feel good. Hmm. Like at all. How much alcohol are you consume? Like now? not very much. Like I drank like I think I drank three beers and a shot the other night. Hmm. So, but that was with dinner too. So yeah. it's not like a whole ton. I guess it is. But, and that's, I think I had three beers and two shots when we went out the other night. Yeah. But, like, probably, like. But you're drinking Corona. Yeah. That's, not, that's like lemonade. Yeah. Like, but, like, I will say probably the last, um, out of the last beer. half a dozen times I've drank, three of them, I've, like, not felt good. Like, Just, like, immediately or a couple hours after? A couple or? hours after. Like, I fell asleep kind of early on the couch the other night, and I, I went to bed. I mean, you hydrate Often I, enough, there's no I way know. you're dehydrated. Well, uh, I think I could have been the other night, but I woke up at one. And I maybe it either had like a nightmare or like it got like bundled up in the blanket too much, and like my body temp went up or something. I don't know. But I woke up and I just felt like uh, basically I was having a panic attack, which I don't have panic attacks and never really had, other than if like I get like super freaking tired rolling or sparring or like you know you get your heart rate out of control, but. I was just like, man, I don't feel good. Am I going to throw up or something? And I was like, well, you know, I've ate. I did have a little bit of alcohol, but definitely not enough to be throwing up. I was hydrated today. But, man, that's just like alcohol is not good for you. It's not. It's a poison. I keep – I've been saying this since we were teenagers. Alcohol is a poison. Yeah, and it's crazy because like – Like when you go out drinking, the funny feeling you get is you're poisoned. You're mildly poisoned. Yeah. No, I mean, well, I mean, this idea of, like, your your blood alcohol level. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like, and it's weird because some of the funnest experiences I've had, um, like, you know, happy times, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. been drunk. But also, I do notice I get a little, um, I think it's almost like when people do drugs, I need to be in a really controlled setting. Hmm. Like... I'm like I'm not gonna say I'm easily set off when I've been drinking, hmm. but there's definitely some um, there's definitely some of that there where it's like just uh, agitation in general, or is it like uh, you can go do crazy stuff anyways, like go jump off a building or something? No, it's just just agitation, just like short temperedness, like I, like that's like so when I when when people say it impairs your judgment, like that's what I'm chalking this up to. Yeah. So, um, but I don't know. It's just weird. I don't. Um, I like I like the idea of social drinking, but then like it, just like any social experience, if it turns negative, it's like amplified. If I've been drinking, sure, so. right? Like let's say somebody you know like walks by our table, and then one of the people at our table says something frickin' ridiculous. Yeah, that that's probably what set me off in the first place. I've thought about that several times because fun. actually, uh, cinema message. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry, I jumped all over you, bro. Yeah. Because like we were about to come to blows over that shit, just over a stupid argument. Yeah. And um and dude, I can guarantee you, if I wouldn't have been drinking, I wouldn't have been that way. Yeah, you were uncharacteristically like just a well, little bit hot at it. I mean, like it was a serious situation, and he didn't yeah, even know. Yeah, I didn't want to. Like, I'm glad that you handled. I it didn't want to like that. What that's what got me um, kind of hot. But th- but too, at the flip side, it's like, had he not have been drinking, he wouldn't have said that to he that passerby yeah. who was being extremely fucking nice to us. By the way, yeah. Sorry, I keep bumping into you guys. It's the only door in and out to the patio, yeah. no, so it's I can right. go smoke. We knew what we were doing when we sat here. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and um. <coughs> Yeah, but, uh, you know, but that's it. Like, that's a perfect example for both of us. It's yeah. like you would remove the alcohol and we're just having dinner from that situation. But it's like we wanted to have the alcohol because it, it 
yeah. made for maybe making it a better time, but then it, you know, and maybe a couple of ways didn't do that because it's not controllable past right. a certain point. And yeah. certain point, your blood alcohol with your food, it's, it's in flux and you might be a little dehydrated. So you're feeling the effects more. Dude, it's, it's hard. Like you have a lighter body weight, but I tell these people this all the time, baseline hydration this is what I think. I think if you're below 88 ounces of fluid in your body at any given time, you're dehydrated. Hmm. So, Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I just have a different. I don't get agitated when I drink. Like I get sleepy and I get giggly. Those are the. I do too, and maybe maybe I just drink that extra beer and it sends me out the top or something. I yeah. don't know. And like there was like another thing like. I started drinking. I stopped drinking for at least five years. Yeah. And then probably in the last two or three years, I started having casual beers and stuff again. I didn't start drinking until I went to Europe. So I found a I found a, a drinking culture that I found acceptable. It wasn't even like all of Europe or all of the UK has a healthy drinking culture because there's a lot of pub culture that is really unhealthy. When you have like you know eighteen year olds going out to drink and twenty. Did you get roofied or anything? I didn't. Well, that's good. I didn't, thankfully, no. But like it was just like old guys in a pub grabbing a. A beer, Did you sing any songs? I didn't get to. No. Too bad. Have you seen what movie sunset. is it? Is it the other guys where like they're in a pub and then one <laughs> like, "Hey, hold on." Too much. Cora just had pink eye the other day. Oh, Freaking no. crazy. Well, I mean, anyways, uh, passing that up. Yeah. Yeah. So, what'd you do after the sausages and the vodka? Well, I mean, I got to stay with somebody in Germany who I'd met in Spain through the person I was staying with there. And so, her apartment, her couch became kind of a a base of operations for me to, like, once I got done with France, I went over there, and she lives around Frankfurt, and I just kind of went out from there. And I spent a month, uh, I went, like... To Manchester, saw some castles, went down to Verona, then I went to, uh, was it Milano, I went to Milan, then Pisa, and then the, the five places, the Cinque Terre, mm-hmm. and then hit up uh, Rome and Assisi, which all of Italy, like the trains are a bit Did of you a mess. the Vatican? Huh? You, you go to Vatican City? Yeah, I went to, went to Rome. Rome and Vatican City are the same thing, basically. Uh, is Vatican City like inside its own wall, though? Oh yeah, it has a big wall around it, except for like the open part of uh, St. Peter's Basilica, like that's not technically walled in, but it's it's framed. But you can just walk in. There's no, mm-hmm. but Vatican City itself is walled off, and you can't get in. Yeah, yeah, that's where the Antichrist lives. Well, just kidding. I mean, according, according, to, Martin according Luther. to Martin Luther, who's a bit of a jerk. Yeah, he he loved beer. He's a jerk. Was a jerk. Yeah. A jerk. Always nailing his stuff to the door. Well, it's not even that. Just like his conversations with Zwingli when Zwingli's bringing up yeah, like I know. good points. It's like, no, right on, Zwingli. You've, you've nailed it on the head. And Martin Luther just used like like these rhetorical devices to like belittle him. And I'm just like, Martin, that has nothing to do with what's being said. So Zwingli just straight up, he was Lutheran though, right? Or, or did Zwingli, was he the, he's the guy that founded Calvinism. Catholic. No, that was no, John, no. Calvin, John Calvin, duh. Uh, but so v- Zwingli took Christ. Calvinism back to, or uh, I'm sorry, Lutheranism back to um, uh, Sweden. Switzerland? Uh, Switzerland. You can't call it Lutheranism at that point. Like, you'd have to use broader terms like 
Protestantism. Protestantism. Yeah, I think uh, what would later become Lutheranism or Calvinism, you know, what we would know, uh, those are strict down to the traditions that that follow those two men and their and their students, whereas Zwingli takes this kind of well, and even well, you get you get the Anabaptists come out of out of that that whole conversation too, and I feel like Zwingli is also tied to them in some kind of way, um, but you have like these pacifist um, people who are just like, look, if we live, you know, this, you know, and not participate in government, not try to like wield the the sword of the state for for our own means we do this and this is how we live out the kingdom of heaven here and uh i mean that's and then they you know then they start killing people taking up arms and stuff the anabaptist history is a little funny that way but a lot of things come out of like that reformation time period yeah i know it's a everyone's like a revolutionary period like here we have these really four or five core like problems with the catholic church um and purgatory its, and its doctrine i mean it, yeah purgatory I, I indulgences like indulgences indulgences are, Those are great one. purgatory <laughs> is one where it's like purgatory is not like yes yes purgatory is stupid but that's it's not really the point the point is indulgences the point is like all this other bull crap that you spend less time in purgatory exactly that'll be uh just like a year's wages a little bit of money little little bit of money. I was like I think it was like 3 quarters of a year's wages for a peasant to buy less time in purgatory less in time. a special coupon form from the pope which would be sold by like a bishop or something. Yeah. Well too like I hate Sorry. too that like um so pre Martin Luther no one could really um Right, he brings interpret the, the Latin Bible or read it except for the local parish priest. Right. So they would be like Today we're reading verse blah 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 from Psalms, and that was it. And this yeah. is what it means. Yeah. And that was how they got their information. Mm-hmm. But apparently, once everybody started reading the Bible, they're like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. No one. I mean, for one thing, most of the priests didn't know really what to do with it either. They were given an interpretation, and so that's what they they stuck with because most of them weren't given really the freedom to think. Do about you know it any anymore. of the people that were um, like? taken out previously because like that was a big thing is like there were a few people within a hundred years of martin luther but it was pre-printing press that had tried to bring up some of these same points against the uh, against the pope and they were like burned at the stake i don't i don't remember there was a bishop in spain who was a heretic but he wasn't excommunicated because he didn't spanish inquisition he didn't teach he didn't teach his heresy Oh. He just he just had said, "Oh, this is what I think." And was that Erasmus? That sounds. Yeah, I think it was. He fa- uh, went on. He said you, that they should um, fix. Re- they should reform within the church, but the church shouldn't. Yeah. Um, Desiderius Erasmus uh, was known as Erasmus of Rotterdam. Was a Dutch Renaissance humanist, Catholic so priest, no. social critic, teacher, and theologian. Classic scholar wrote in pure Latin style. But if I want, uh, he had some sort of connection to the Jesuits, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Well, he didn't at that point. Yeah. Hey, so do you get? Do you have access to HBO Go? I don't. Um, there's a, a new show out. Maybe you can watch it on like uh, PrimeWire or something. Sure. But it's called Gunpowder. Gun it's powder. set in like 1604 um, with the um, King James Stuart. Mm-hmm. And uh, King James the first. Yeah, but Scotland. it's also um, like. There's only three episodes, and Guy Fawkes is already dead. 
so like the be for vendetta story mm-hmm. no i got it they play onto that but it's got john snow from um kit Haring. yeah okay it's pretty it's pretty good it's only three episodes in the first season but pretty good huh so yeah yeah no i feel like we could do multiple podcasts on all this stuff so what you don't so you uh you said this earlier it's like you've been you know all of this reformation history which I'm only able to discuss with you because I just recently learned it <laughs> after I've, having gone to college. I've to had enough it. time to forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so you did. Then you went to seminary, but like you, you're not like starting your own church religion or no, active I'm, participant I'm, in I'm a congregation. Uh, yeah. No, that's true. When I went to seminary, I kind of you got disenchanted. Not disenchanted. I just kind of like it wasn't that I was enchanted in the first place, so I can't be disenchanted. But all. Like, my entire time at church prior to seminary had been all about the community of people that I had there. And it was mainly centered around, like... A community sp- of all believers. Mm, sort of. Small group uh, and Sunday school. And, like, big church was something that I weathered, you know. It wasn't something that, like, was life-giving or, like, even community, like, to me. Um, so when I went to seminary, I didn't have a church. And I just kind of was like, well, you know what? Like, I could spend my time trying to get back and forth to a church or small group twice a week or I can use that time to invest in the people I live around uh, which should be easy because small, I, I like small groups too man I think like um, you get to a certain point and the logistics aren't there like, I uh, you know I lived in I lived in an apartment complex and I learned a lot about like how architecture shapes a community and things became real important to me about knowing my neighbors and being involved in their lives. And that's where I decided to spend all my energy instead of trying to go be a part of other people's lives who live in other communities and burn all of my energy doing that. I was like, no, I'm going to be here. And so like I poured a lot of my energy into trying to get to know my peers and my neighbors at school. And so now that I've made it back, it's just, I don't, I don't have any foothold to get back into a community or a church and I have no desire to go somewhere on Sunday and sing a bunch of songs and sit there and grumble about all of the useless things that go on in a church on Sunday when, you know, the guy over there and me are struggling with depression or addiction or this thing right here and no one's addressing it. And there's no real outlet for that other than maybe a small group that I could sign up for on Wednesdays, which it's going to take me six months to get close enough, not for me to open up, but for them to be able to receive what I have to say to them. And even then they're probably unprepared for how to handle it. And so I can't, I just can't deal with it. Plus, you know, they're an add on to my life. They're not part of my work schedule. They're not going to, I won't see them on a Tuesday or a Thursday. Or Friday, so you don't you know. see yourself doing like anything job wise with you. I would love to work in a church. I would love to like organize and facilitate connection of a, a local church with just communities worldwide and, and nationwide and just create a landing pad at my church and a, and a launching pad out of my church for people to come and go and relate and connect resources and everything. Uh, you know, build yeah. relationships between communities. I would love that. And I would love to, you know, and there's part of that where, like, I'm fixed in and I'm a part of the life of a church and people who go there and I get to share my life with them. But I haven't found that anywhere. I haven't found that possibility. I, sp- I just spent Christmas Eve to the end of February uh, running a, a warming station in Conway yeah. for homeless people. Well, for anyone. Some people just came to get away from their spouse uh, <laughs> for a couple of days. Uh, as some people we got, they were out on parole and 
they had nowhere to go. So we gave them a bed for a couple nights while they figured it out. Dude, having seen all these things though, from backpacking across Europe sure. and being practically homeless and going to a seminary and all all this has seen like some disparaging parts of life i'm sure you've it's got to give you some awesome perspective at the same time probably being a little depressing seeing because i mean dude like when you're out there see like being quote-unquote homeless because you're you know it's not like you were it is a voluntary thing. You're going on a steal. Sure, yeah, but it's that's like, why you know, I just try to hesitate to say homeless yeah, since exactly. I had chosen the situation, and I could have red-buttoned out at some point. But when you're there, it's like things happen, like people try to steal your bag that you're sleeping on. and Someone propositions you for sex. Or yeah, I mean, just the dregs of possibility that yeah. could happen. Uh, it's you're sleeping somewhere. You don't know if you're going to get your throat cut and your stuff stolen. You know? Yeah, no, I guess Absolutely. you probably are kind of fortunate. Not lost your passport, not been robbed, not been I raped. Went to, I went to sleep every night. Uh, Wondering. I went to sleep every night, just saying, like, okay, like God, this is your your time now. Like I've done the best that I could while I was awake. I've got to pass out. I'm exhausted. It's two in the morning. I've been walking for. Did you sleep like shit when you were over there? Oh yeah, like there were like Rome when I was staying in Rome. I wouldn't get to bed until closer to twelve, and I'd wake up at four. Hmm. I I was get I was averaging four hours a night, most of the time, just because like by the time a city like you find a place that you feel like is safe or you know you're too tired to give a fuck, um, then it's so late you know and people aren't walking around and then you got to get up before everybody else starts getting up so four or five five is really pushing it, especially if you're staying in a like a train car that's shut down for the evening trains start mm. moving around four thirty five o'clock, if you're you know. I'm not saying I did that, wink, wink. Uh, you know, just depending on where you've, you know, bed down for the night, you gotta, you gotta get moving early. So yeah, real time. I think, uh, I think it gave me a lot of perspectives on life about generosity and like the kind of generosity that I received and wanted to then reciprocate, not just to those people, but to anybody. And you know, ironically, I would love to have like a house with like room enough to take. Dude, have people. you th- have you thought about like writing a book or something on your travels? Why? Why? does everybody want a book on this yeah, for me it's just really mundane like but it's th- but what i think is i think that there is no more authentic content mm, people right. people want authenticity people want like for example uh, i was saying earlier like i did this todd uh todd snyder he's a folk uh singer solo artist okay he's in another band called hardworking americans but the podcast I've got the most views on is the Todd Snyder podcast. It's an audio only podcast. It's on YouTube and it got super quickly got like 350 views. Just like, boom. and it's just because it's like two dudes sitting down talking about a concert they just went to. Uh-huh. We're excited about it. We had a great time. We were witness to this thing and we got super good feed- feedback about it. And it's because I think it's because of this authentic amateur content. Right. Like just real raw and Yeah. Yes, yeah, to me like I if I wrote a book about about Europe or about traveling or about backpacking or you know like I'd have like Bulgarian truck drivers stories or being picked up by a kid on the side of the road trying to hitchhike out of Greece because the train between Bulgaria and Greece is shut down. Um Bulgaria, Romania, Bulgaria. Probably Bulgaria. Um so you have to hitchhike across the border to mm. get to the two separate rail systems because the rail that connects shut down years ago. Um, 
bad economies. You know, like, or or playing cards with two 18-year-old French girls who just graduated high school and have come to Rome, Bulgaria, to get cheap cigarettes. Um, you know, things like that. Like, those are fun little tidbits. But to me, and I could, I could talk broadly well, here's, about here's, here's, poverty here's, and Well, yeah, and but that, but here's, a, here's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is it's your relation? It, it's it's your personal experience as it relates to you. I almost think about it like semi biographical. Sure. Like the points where I'm like asking these questions, like, "Oh, did it give you perspective on life?" Yeah. Why? Like, like interjecting that stuff as it comes up. That's right. that's why I was like, "Oh yeah, Ryan would be cool to have on the podcast because he's fucking walked across Europe." Right. And. Coincidentally, went to seminary, and we went through a lot of the same colleges. Have, have spent most of my life trying to self-evaluate and assess what life is. Introspection. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think I think I think introspection is one of the most valuable things we can do. Right. I just don't know how you go through. Well, I mean, I do. I see it all the time. I just don't understand how people do it. Like how they go through life without looking. Like hourly, I evaluate my life, and it's. Probably part think, of the reason I feel a lot of social pressure. Yeah, probably. Like I feel like maybe maybe it's the source of a lot of social pressure that I feel of like, oh, I haven't done XYZ. I haven't hit some huge landmarks in my life. I felt I felt that way for so long and then just after a while I just kinda got over the timeline aspect of wanting things to happen right. now. Well, I think at this point I'm it's more of like now I'm thirty. I don't know what changed. Well, I do. I'm older. Uh, but like I think about getting married and it's marriage, f- like being a newlywed couple is different when you're, when you're in your thirties than I, than it is when you're 23. It, in yeah, my mind, it is. my it, mind, I think I get married in my twenties. It looked like this in my thirties. It looks like this. And honestly, I don't know. Like what I feel I is like <laughs> Corey and I were together for so many years before we got married. Sure. Like, like it's almost hard to keep up with anymore. Like we were together for years, and um, we've been married for almost two years, year and a half. Yeah. And I don't know, like that first year is different. Like getting married, it does. It, yeah, it's weird. It's just a, a stupid government contract that puts real pressure on your relationship. Yeah. It's weird. Like you're sitting here, like how it looks and stuff, and I'm like, well. No, but yes, it does. There, there's like a social pressure there. Right. And and two, so like. And here's how it, where it happens. It's like one of the major things that made my health insurance go way the fuck up was getting married. Mm-hmm. My car insurance went down. But it's like right. adding adding her to the policy and then me turning 30 and her turning 25 all caused my health insurance in this 18-month period that we've been married to go up 300 fucking percent. That's, uh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, like, I mean, it is literally like a mortgage. It's two times more than my car payment. I don't. I don't want to adult that Fuck badly. That shit, I just man. don't. I don't want to. Adult like we're hap- we're moving some stuff around with our policies and having to get crafty and creative and raise our deductibles and shit. It's wild, man. Super wild. I'm not. I'm not excited about that. What I. I mean, all I want really out of life is just someone to share it all with. I think when I got back, I had somebody like that, but it was real hard for me. I had to readjust. I had spent so much time. I had to become an but introvert. You were like cagey. I had to become an introvert for a section of time, and coming back, I just. And I don't know that I've fully recovered yet, but I could not communicate with people when I got back. I could speak English, 
um, but I just didn't know how to interact with Did you pick up any other uh, languages, phrases? I could say thank you and please in just about every language that I touched, but, I mean, they're all written down somewhere at this point. My brain has just, like, put them in a dark corner of the room, you know, where I don't have to do anything. My Spanish has never been better than that one month when I was in Spain. You know, two years in high school, did nothing but a month in Spain. Bam, I'm on top of my game. I got, I'm, I'm convincing, you know, locals that I'm from there with the seven words I know. And then it's really just like earth shattering to them when I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, I'm American. I don't understand anything you're saying. And they just have like this, what just happened? You know, <laughs> huge shift. I'm so not bragging on my Spanish accent or anything, but I am. Giza, nice. Yeah, uh, that, that is, is nice. Man. All three of them. You just you gotta have your head on when you go in there. You got twelve year olds trying to shake you down for money. So you went to Egypt and Israel and Turkey. Yeah. And Turkey. Let's uh, let's wrap it up with that, and then maybe we can come back. Uh, you can have you back on the podcast in a few weeks or something. I'm in. I'm in for that. Yeah, or just for anything. I like podcasting. Yeah, no, dude, I I love it, and um, I don't know, it really uh, like podcasting, lecturing, and then teaching at the gym. Yeah, all bring me down. An extreme bit. Uh, I've only been doing the podcasting and teaching. Bring for, you down? Yeah, like, um, I just have so many ideas and goals. I want to do s too much. I have all these uh, aspirations and all these ideas, mm -hmm. and I want to execute as many of them as possible, and some of them are longer term than the others. It's like, I, I don't know, it's just like, doing the podcast, uh, like, I don't know, I get to talk about my ideas more and get them out in the open, and uh, talk about them with other people or share ideas or get ideas from other people. And just just talking with other people, like you're saying, like you didn't get to talk with a whole bunch of other people that so probably affected you socially uh, when you came back. Right. I feel the same way. It's like I just have a desire to like um, basically sort through my ideas while I'm talking about them. Almost like it's almost like a release getting out. Like just repeating that information about Louis the Fourteenth. It's mean, like I gotta, absolutely. I gotta repeat this stuff and get it out and feel, uh, you That's know. Why teachers always learn more than the students. They teach to learn, not to teach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a I, Filipino man once told me that. Yeah. Yeah, in that exact way. I told. Uh, <laughs> uh, I said. I said this uh, probably about two or three years ago. Like I don't know what I think until I've said it out loud, and have had a chance to either agree or disagree with myself. Like, I just, I don't know what my stance on something is until I've argued it. That's another thing. I mean, just, like, talking things out that, you know, like, you never, uh, it's yeah. fascinating to me sometimes, like, these um, dearly held beliefs. Right. Gun that, control, abortion. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, like where, where, where did they come from, you know? Like, yeah. like uh, racism or anything else. It's like, what was indoctrinated into you that you didn't even really chart? Like, uh, a friend of mine and I are always talking about this. It's kind of like period of life that we're kind of coming out of i feel like you spend a fair amount of time depending on who you are deprogramming mm. <laughs> like what yeah. your parents did to you <laughs> you know what i'm saying or in a didn't way. do to you or didn't yeah no. um and that's um because newsflash socialization is a good thing when harnessed for good reason like i totally like agree you, you don't there's no non-socialization option you're either socializing a kid or you're letting your kid be socialized by someone else. That's the only two options you have. So, like, in the whole don't pressure your kid to do this thing, the kid's going to be pressured one way or the other. That's that's a given. You've got just got to give them a healthy Yeah, out, a healthy yeah all out. you can do is, is be there to sort of yeah. enlight, be enlightened and guide and facilitate the process. That's why, you know, it's like some people, it's like, you know, like you were saying earlier about um, 
like having kids or being married when you're 30 or whatever. I did this on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like I'm 30, about to be 31. Fuck, next month. Mm-hmm. Uh, 420. Yes, that is true. At least I have a birthday this year. Bitch. <laughs> you do, you're born on a leap year. That's crazy. Um, but like, so, but Core is 25, about to be 26. I'm 30, about to be 31. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a lot of things we have right now because we waited. And yeah. I noticed you that didn't my parents and my grandparents or didn't have a lot of the things yeah. I have right now at my age because they had they two, kids. six kids. However, like my grandpa and grandpa on my dad's side had six. And um, even one kid right now is just so expensive. Just hospital bills. Like dude, my dog's forever. expensive, man. Yeah, I had to pay 174 bucks for that stuff earlier that I mentioned. So. <laughs> Um, just because he wanted to go hang out with the German Shepherd from back in the woods. I mean, bad influence. Yeah. Well, so um, Middle East yeah, area, Turkey, Turkey Egypt, Egypt, Israel. Yeah. What about, about it? it? Well, uh, okay. So, uh, why did you go there? What did you see? I want to know about the pyramids. Did you see the Sphinx? I did. Uh, Jerusalem, everything. Uh, yeah. So. Istanbul is a great city. I don't know what it's like right now, but I loved it. Um, and then I kind of bust around the eastern, no, the western side of Turkey, just trying to see some of like the the seven churches that are written to in Revelation, uh, the Apocalypse of John, if you will. Um, man, and uh, Miletus. I made it to Miletus. Uh, and just some of the old Greek uh, and Roman ruins in turkey are just amazing uh troy like was it pamukkale chamukkale i think it's pamukkale is old troy well it's close enough to the ruins and you can go out there Mm. turkey was i loved it i love turkey although you know there are stray packs of wild dogs that will eat your face at night but i I never really had a problem and and hostels are pretty cheap there too and it's pretty cool to sit on a rooftop in istanbul and watch the sun go down or come up and and eat you know relaxing on a cushion and you know like i have different relationships with call to prayer in different parts of the islamic world some some cities like it feels it's really beautiful and it's relaxing and it's like a cool cultural thing and then sometimes it's like real dark and it's it's just hard to explain like there's a real dark energy to it it's like this is weird um but i'll I'll pass on that egypt i just spent two weeks in giza and two weeks sick in dahab uh on the red sea see that's the nasa propaganda up there that's not anything to do with egyptian pyramids Mm, that's upsetting yeah on this chrome we got nasa image of the day pops up every so often dude nasa is just it's uh, it's fake intelligence agency just prop just yeah it's just so much propaganda anyways not that i just you know don't believe in the moon landing that's just there's a lot of evidence that (laughs) history conspiracy bro maybe you'll be back on for that episode that'd be great um nah man uh giza was amazing i think there was a a bus that got lit on fire in tahir square while i was there that was excellent um (coughs) in 2012 you know, they had been through, what, two revolutions at that point? Mm-hmm. And, they had a and you're one. just a couple of years removed from that, huh? I, when you were there. I was there in 2012. Oh, and you were, when that, it was going on. Well, that was like the second or third revolution that had either just happened or... And well, there was one that happened just before I got there, and there was one that happened right after I left. Uh, but so it was probably the Arab Spring right before you yeah, got well, there. Well, I mean, so people were fleeing into Jordan from Syria 
while I was in Egypt. I was watching that on the news in Egypt, wow. in Cairo. So uh, stuff like that was happening. Uh, but it was, it's an old, dirty city. <laughs> yeah, know? I know. And I've... starved because a lot of their economy is dependent on tourism. You wouldn't think. Like, I've, I've, I've watched uh, like a social documentary about yeah. Egypt before, and, it, it, and they like, do have some neat problems. Having a having a a guy who's selling scarves just try and get me to buy anything and almost becomes so cultural differences become really apparent when like Arabs start trying to sell you things and they get frustrated at you because they just see you as an American like dollar sign and <coughs> at least that's the way it starts to feel um I, I was just real interesting kind of open up like you're being polite you're saying oh sure like I'll come and see your stuff but I don't really need any of this stuff so I'm not gonna spend my money here <coughs> and they think that you've come with four thousand dollars in your pocket and you're you're just gonna be dropping it here and there and I'm down to my last fifteen hundred dollars at that point and uh and I've got to somehow make it home make it through Israel blah 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 I was in Israel for a month um, wow. On $500, it is possible. Holy shit. Um, it's crazy that you live for seven, like, I mean, that's... Yeah, that's, on, uh, yeah, seven months for, se or eight months, seven and a half months I guess you could probably do that here, but not moving around. Not moving around. And I definitely had a lot of help. Like, there were couches that I got to stay on. There was a cottage that I got to stay in for, like, a month. Anyways, uh, yeah. When you get to the pyramids, though, you come in, and you're paying, like, the Egyptians, if you're Egyptian you live there, you pay, like less than a dollar to get in uh if you're american you're paying 15 bucks to get in and if mm. you want to go into each of the pyramids you gotta pay a little bit more and as soon as you come in i had this little kid he couldn't have been more than 11 10 or 11 years old and he like comes up to me just straight away ticket i'm like uh okay because i mean egypt like sure 11 year olds doing a full-grown man's like job or something sure why not and you've got security like military guys security for, for giza and they're just walking around and they just they just let it happen and so i'm like yeah hey look at okay here look i'm supposed to be here i'll give you my ticket which there's no way in that entrance without getting a ticket so it's a little bit ridiculous but he just takes it and then once he's got your ticket he's got your attention and he's trying to sell you things and he's trying to like we should get you a camel and blah blah, blah. give me my ticket back you little piece of shit um and he's uh, he's under my skin immediately and then just everyone is hustling you like you're at a carnival where everyone's half starved and need you know and need something from you i had a guy put his kefia on me you know little over my head and put me on his yeah uh, and uh put me on his camel and take a picture of it and i'm like Thank you very much, but I told you at the very beginning of this I didn't want a camel ride. I'm not paying you for a camel ride. Get me off your camel. He's like, all <laughs> right. right. <laughs> they, they you up on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm picturing this guy like grabbing you around the body and be like, here, sit on the camel. Small child. <laughs> I had a guy come up and he was like, here, here. I'm like, oh, well, I don't want that. He's no, 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 it's a gift. I'm like, oh, okay, well, thanks. And he's like, and he walked you off. You must pay for that. No, no, I, I, I kept walking. He's like, no, that's not. I was like, you said it was a gift. No, you said it was a gift. No, you said it was a gift. I'm like, then go the go away. I was two weeks in Cairo is enough. When you're trying to not spend money is enough to just drive you off. I cliff. imagine, man, that so, has got to be a major tourist spot, oh like God. more so than. Pro I mean, well, I mean, you got a wonders, wonders of the world there. Yeah. Type. Well, and so I'm walking from. There's a vista where you can see all three of the major pyramids. And you can get a really good shot. So I'm walking out to there. Most people take like a camel or a, you know, a, a jeep or something out there. There are people who drive them. And I'm I'm walking and I'm, I see over here to my right these three guys and their camels and they're feeding their camels and they've got like a rug laid out and they're eating. 
And this guy's like, hey. I'm like, hey, man, I don't want a camel. He's no, no, no. Do you want some food? And I'm like, well, I, I can't pay. He's like, no, I'm inviting you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, Thank yeah, you. sure. And like I had learned already from like people at the hostel, like when an Arab says, hey, I invite you, what they mean is culturally – like in Arab culture, when you're invited, it means like you're not expected to pay for anything. You're not, like nothing's on you. You're like under their protection. Um, and so I went and I there's a picture on my Facebook of me sitting with these three. Well, I mean, I think it's just a picture of the camel with the pyramids in the background. But that's me sitting on a mat with three camel jockeys eating falafel uh, in Giza with a full view of the three pyramids Sick. with their three camels eating. Hay. What was the climate like? deserty dry arid um so many mosquitoes just so many mosquitoes around the nile around the red sea just so many i can't even mosquito apocalypse is the only way that i can explain it just like you wake up every morning and you've got three dead ones that you rolled over and killed or that slowed down because of how cold it got at night and you you killed and there's blood in your sheets from where they were sucking on you and then you mash them and then it's yeah you just every morning it was uh, it was ad- adventurous. Crazy. Um, I like I said, I was on the Red Sea for two, like on the Sinai Peninsula, which Sinai is this beautiful rocky, desolate terrain, uh, kind of like the Rocky Mountains, but no civilization around. And then I came up through the southern tip of Israel on a bus. Well, you have to walk, uh, and then, and then I just kind of worked my way up to Jerusalem, and then I walked from Nazareth to the northern side of the Sea of Galilee, which is about 60 kilometers or so. That was fun. That was fun. Uh, a guy in Cana who has three sons. This is a parable, truly. I <laughs> know. I was <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, he's like the caretaker at a, at the wedding church of Cana, where Jesus supposedly turned water to wine. Because any, anywhere, anywhere in Israel, in the Holy Land, where someone supposedly did something, there's probably a church veneration of holy relics bro yeah you should yeah it's a real thing anyway so this guy he's a he's an arab christian um and like very few arab christians but they they exist and he's like hey we'll just and i'm catching a nap in the pew i'm exhausted from walking i don't have a place to stay and one of the priests lets me like sleep in one of the chambers down below the church like on a cushion thing a room that's not being used and I slept there as long as I could. And then that guy's like, hey, how about you come home with me? And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. And so I got to go. They gave me a place to sleep. He fed me that night. And his son, like, even gave me, like, a ride out to, like, where I needed to start walking again. And I was just like, what is going on? Um, there are good people in the world. There are amazing people in the world. Like, every it's, it, it, There's just so trip, many people in so many yeah. situations that I feel like you don't see it enough. But there are definitely good people out there. Oh, yeah. And I, every so often, people restore my faith. I Just that one trip alone has stored up enough faith in people in it, to where I can't lose full faith in people. Uh, it's just, I, I've been given too much. I've been blessed by too many people in, in the world, like from every walk of life and every geographical location, whether it's Southeast Asia or the Middle East or the UK or Germany or Spain, you know, like wherever it is, or Greece, like they're just, people have taken care of me, have, have shared what little they have, you know. What was it like, uh, like looking on Jerusalem for the first time? Was it like seeing the ocean or something? You were just like, oh, wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, y- you. I came in on a bus, and it's just this windy, like, where am I? And then bam. And then really, in order to like really appreciate Jerusalem, you've got to walk all around the old city, and then you've got to go up uh, on the Mount of Olives. There's a cemetery that uh, an old Jewish, and I think it's just a Jewish cemetery. It may also be like an Arab cemetery, a Muslim cemetery as well. But like it overlooks the city and like the the valley that is between them, and it's like where you see all of your your big like oh look there's old city Jerusalem with uh, Al Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock right there the Golden mm. Dome, yes. and you've got to get there and look at that and be like oh okay this is where I'm at you know and then you've got to walk those narrow uh, corridor streets through the old city, and uh, you got to do it in sandals <laughs> you know. Just to kind of get your feet really disgusting, because that's what happens. Uh, in fact, last April, almost a year ago now, I was I was there for what two weeks. Uh, for you went back. Yeah, I went back. I, one of my Jewish friends was doing her Jerusalem year there. Most of my Jewish friends are rabbinic students, so they're trained to be rabbis. And they all have to do one year in Jerusalem. Interesting. She was there last year, and I uh, I went there for Holy Week slash Passover. Because they kind of coincided, and so so like Shark Week in the Christian world, Jewish world. Uh, no, like Passover in the in the Jewish world and Holy Week in the Christian world. <laughs> Easter and Passover, you know, kind of co- coincide pretty close. Uh, some every palm, year. some palm leaves and a donkey. Some palm, yeah, I was I was on the Mount of Olives, which is where a procession starts uh, to reenact the kind of the procession of Jesus coming into the city, and like it's the procession of palms or something like that i don't know it was it was interesting um palm sunday palm sunday exactly for, for that exact thing i uh I, I spent two weeks there just constantly walking to old cities about a 20 minute walk and just walking hours around that place um i spent holy week uh like thursday i stayed up all night and walked through kind of like all the stations of the last 12 hours and it was it was interesting. Um, there was insight to be gathered there, um, but I think seeing the city for the first time, it's just. I mean, there's an element of it where it's like I had seen Rome, I had seen Paris, I had seen Versailles, Toledo, Madrid, Berlin, um, London, uh, Athens, Sparta, even. Did you go to Wittenberg. Ah. Wittenberg. I don't know if I made it to Wittenberg. I made it to Heidelberg. I made it to Frankfurt. Um, where else? I made it to Prague. Like after a while, it's just like, wow, this is another, you know, Corinth. I, you they know, threw some people out of a seven-story window at Prague, and they landed in a pile of manure. When was that? When was that? That was during. Uh, there was some religious wars. Mm. Uh, it was uh, the Thirty Years' War. Okay. It was the Bohemian phase of the Thirty Years' War. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah, I didn't see that, obviously. Yeah, they called it, um, so they were, um, I don't even remember if it was Protestants or Catholics who were thrown out the window. It's just, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but point. they were thrown out the window and landed this manure, and they were like, the arms of the angels, they caught S- them, and S- they're like, no, they just fell in poop. No, they just fell in poop, yeah, exactly. Oh, man. I, I'd i say that, yeah, it was otherworldly for sure. It's definitely other, it, even still, like last April, Jerusalem's otherworldly. It's definitely the center of the universe. 
I think, or at least the center of the world. It's a yeah, a cradle area. Like it's not just like the the cross section of like all people coming to Jerusalem for this or that at all different times, but like I don't know, there's just and it's not just like political eyes on Jerusalem and what's happening all the time. Like there's just something about that place that is it's like you feel something very similar in Istanbul because it's the it's the pathway between Asia and Europe and it has been for over a thousand years, you know, where there's something about I'm fascinated the by ground. that. Like the Eurasian steppe, like Mongolia. Yeah. Super fascinating. Yeah. yeah, the Caspian Sea, the Black Sea, that area. Georgia, the country, mm -hmm. is like you can just rock up as an American and get a 365-day visa, no questions asked. Cool. Yeah. But you know a lot about, like, immigration now. Uh, yeah. The funny thing about immigration is it kind of goes out of date depending on political powers and given enough time. Since it's now been five years, which my Facebook feed keeps reminding me wow. that I've been back for five years now. Uh, yeah, some things have happened, like the huge, like exodus from Syria yeah. into Shoot. Europe. Like, there's no telling what kind of stuff's going on. When I was in Italy and France, like they were herds. I'll say herds because they were just like groups of like. 40, 50 guys from North Africa who were carrying big carpet and blankets full of like knockoff purses and stuff, just roaming the street trying to find the next place to go sell stuff to. And I was just like, where, what, what, what is this? Like, where are you? <laughs> but they're just, you know, they're just trying to make some money for whatever reason here or there. Probably all different reasons. It is totally crazy. But totally it creates a weird, like, like when I was in Conway, homelessness, like people don't want homeless people around their businesses for legitimate reasons. Like you can't deny that when you put a whole bunch of people with nothing to do in the same spot for long enough, something's going to get broke. It doesn't matter how poor they are or how rich they are. Something's going to get broke. And you don't need that around your business. It's the same thing when you put like a large group of people who especially don't like can't really function in society because they don't know the language or they don't have enough money or, you know, they don't have social equity they don't have something it, it there's a people in that situation are more likely to turn to turn to criminal activity um, uh, agreed so it makes it less safe but what are you gonna do uh fall asleep every night thinking you might not wake up yeah especially especially <laughs> when you live on the street for sure uh paris paris is probably the, the place oh, that bad. i thought geez i'm gonna get my my throat so. did you go to the eiffel tower I didn't go up there's there. There's a crazy apartment up there, dude. Is there? And the guy that designed it lived there. What? Yeah, it's freaking pimp, dude. Uh, and uh, somebody famous yeah. was up in there um, recently. That's why I know I went about and saw the, both of the Statues of Liberty that are in Paris, but I didn't go into the Eiffel Tower. Very uh, national treasure, too, of you. Yeah. Which uh, I will say Mobile. the second cameraman from that movie was just recently on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Jerry Bruckheimer's nephew, Michael Sandow. You should listen to that episode and subscribe to this channel. <laughs> Trying to get that monetization on, bro. Yeah, dude. Need a thousand subscribers. I have like 40. 40 subscribers. Well, you got you to gotta get some push. I think. That's what, yeah, I've got a couple of like, there's going to be like a whole month where I make a big mad rush for subscribers. So, but yeah, man, always evolving. So yeah. well, I'll tell you what, dude, let's go ahead and wrap it up. We've been going for three hours and five minutes. Jeez, it's only yeah. my third podcast to go over three hours. Like every Joe Rogan podcast, three hours it seems like. Ooh. Yeah, well, I hope that was semi-entertaining. Yeah, it was, man. It's I was good. Uh, it's good. It's good to sit down and yeah. talk with people for long periods of time. We would probably have never talked this long before, and probably wouldn't. And if 
to put this podcast did not exist. So uh, yeah, honestly, it was. Uh, it's been it's been nice to kind of revisit some old things and and reevaluate like how they've affected decisions I've made since. Like like I said, I've been back for five years, and it was hard communicating with people what happened exactly and how it's affected me. Yeah, yeah, I think you need time and distance to get like so like that. Well, that probably gave you perspective for life. You need time to get perspective about that. Well, you've got to integrate it, right? Yeah. Like you've got to be like, okay, what the hell? And that's I why, just... like, I feel like I've been out of grad school long enough now that I'm starting to get that way. I'm starting to kind of come into my own is, is like, what I want to do as a historian, like, right. what my what my niche is going to be. Because, I mean, I wrote all my stuff on martial arts history in grad school. But uh, now it's like, I'm, and the U.S. history is my, my bag. Out, yeah. So. Understandable. Well, dude, uh, again, thanks for the time, man. Uh, hey, people, um, you don't have a website or anything, so you want to give any plugs of any kind before we wrap it up? anything other than don't support the porn industry because it supports human trafficking all the time. So there That's, you go. yeah. There you go. There's all a right. little puzzle piece trail for you to look into. Multiple other episodes. Human, human trafficking is fueled by the porn industry. Dude, I got some really big uh, theories on human trafficking. We'll have to go into them sometime. Yeah. All right, man. Signing off.